let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are back in our normal recording studio. Yep. And we are about to delve into the Bipper comeback. The Bipper comeback, the one you've been waiting for. I am so excited about what's to come tonight. Yeah, the I only really thing am. missing for you would be that magic one, wouldn't it? The, the magic rock, <laughs> magic eight ball. Yeah. But there's a good lineup coming up. There's, there's a great lineup, and um, I'm very excited to start getting into them. So let's get yeah. into so, to our, to our first beer this evening. Cheers. Cheers. That is bitter. So. This is Black Cascade from Steel City Brewing, done in conjunction with Kate, who uh, we believe is the landlady of the pub, which I can't remember its name even, let alone have gone in it. The Rutland Arms. The Rutland Arms. <laughs> the Lost Pub. The Lost Pub from the Sheffield Crimbo Crawl. So this is a 6.66% Black Cascade, Cascade Hopped Black IPA. And on the label, it has bitterness, which... Quite small, but it looks to be over just over a shade over the 100 mark for bitterness. You're definitely getting that on it. Yeah, but it does work though. It well, it works really well. It's, but it's it's bitter to the point where it's dry. Very dry as, as well. So there's there's a real dryness on it. But what that bitterness that does is it it dials down the 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 roasted notes that are there, but allows some of the citrus and some of the pines to come through yeah, a little bit. I'm getting less of the roasted notes and a bit more of the hint of dark chocolate. Like, you know when you get that sort of bitter dark shot, like that 70% plus? That's what I'm getting. Yeah. Just, it's, once you get past the dryness and the bitterness that just washes over you. can almost start to judge it after that, can't you? Yeah. But, what I will say, obviously for the benefit of this, is superb carbonation on this drink. Mm. I mean, it did pour out with a nice, frothy, Easily a two finger head on this beer. It's yeah. absolutely delicious, and it's it's uh, for for men behaving badly. It's got some lovely little bit of lacing going on, which is which is great to see from a bottle. Yeah, as as, as well. Yeah, but that is superbly bitter. Mm. Wow, that is really good. It's got the sort of bitterness that has been missing in beer. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It does remind me of that 70, for us at least. Yeah, for that seventy percent plus dark chocolate yeah. you can buy, you know, for, which isn't all, for all people either. And uh, I think a lot of them recommend it if you want to have uh, your couple of squares of chocolate a day going for the, the high percentage ones because you eat less of it as well because mm-hmm. of that bitterness. But that's, that's a good start. That is a good we've start. Got, we've got six, six different beers to get through. Yeah. Of varying uh, degrees on the black IPA scale. This is a damn good opener. I, I, think, I think we've started with, with, with something that's more kind of more traditional black IPA, you, you, you could say. If there was such a thing, yeah, in, in terms of true to its style, because this is also um, it's single hops, isn't it? So this yes, is, this is this just is cascade. cascade. It's cascade at, at two stages: cascade for the aroma, cascade dry hop as well. Yeah. So it's definitely leaning towards that, and I'm, I'm definitely getting. I said at the moment, take the bitterness out of it, I'm getting that sort of balance that I like to to get in the black IPA minus that roastiness, which I think is where it starts yeah. to more fall into the stout and porter range, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, there's a fine line. Very there, fine line. Which we uh, which we may be treading a little bit, a little bit later on as well. Just a mess. Yes. Just yeah, a just mess. To, just to mix things okay. up a little bit. You know the only people that we mess with, don't you? Us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Without a doubt. It will just be us. Yeah. It will be yeah. messed up. So I suppose, uh, Steve, 
Have you been up to anything recently? I have, I have actually. <laughs> um, Go on, okay. share. Uh, we had Essex Bottle Share um, the night after our last oh, recording. The night after the last recording. Um, always a great night. I mean, we always say this about Bottle Share. It's always, yeah. it's always good to share um, beers with, with, with like-minded folk around the table. Um, a great selection of beers, as, as always, but the, the highlight for me uh, was walking in and seeing Cannonball on, on, on tap. Um, so it became kind of bottle share plus for cannibal. me because I always had a cannonball. <laughs> well, I, think I, I think I wasn't that far behind on having a cannonball no. company my beers. Um, do you have a highlight beer? I, I do. The one I, I look back through the beers we had because I think it was quite a big bottle share as well. I think we had about 13 or 14 different beers. Yeah, because Terry, who's the landlord, joined us as well, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and the one that, that stood out for me was, I think the beer that you bought the East London Brewery in Pistow yeah so this is one of their limited ranges comes in like a almost like a porcelain kind of bottle um, it's not what it is but that's the word that springs to mind it's around about the 9% mark this was a one which they did in 2016 I think it had a best before December 2017 I had sampled it a couple of times before at varying stages of its progress and it was my you know, slightly biased, but it was my highlight of the evening as well because I thought it was tasting tip top. It matured mm. lovely that head. And um, apologies, apologies to Matt, <laughs> who wasn't there that night and does work at East London Brewery, but it, I didn't know he wasn't back in time from his uh, his break. Yeah, and and probably further apologies to to Matt because you gave me a bottle of that as as well. Um, I took mine up to Newcastle with me and I shared it up there, so Matt doesn't even get to try. My aged version of it. Either. Yeah, because it's from the same batch. Yeah. So, uh, did uh, Miles try it? Uh, we did. I, I have to say, I, I don't think we were as taken back by it the second time round, but there's good reason for that. Which I think we're probably going to move into now. <laughs> yeah. So, you've alluded to it, Steve. You had a 48-hour visit to Newcastle? I did, yes. Yeah, I was invited up by um, former number one fan, Miles Lambert, um, to uh, So spend... people are now inviting you around the house to try and regain number one status. To, to win favour, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it would seem. Um, no, but basically, Miles is... Miles turns 40 later on this year. Uh, and there's a, he, he said there's a certain number of things that he wants to do before... In his 40th year, and one of those was to share something like 40 bottles with 40 of his friends or something like that so, so he, he's got one left now yeah. he's done 39 of them with you he invited me up to go through his stash he, he said my, my stash is yours pull out whatever you want so on on the Friday night I pulled out uh, we pulled out a few bottles from his stash all big beasts um, is that what most I mean that's what most people's stash is like though isn't it Tends to be the big beers that form part of a stash because they're the ones you think. It was like, mostly uh, impy stouts. Yeah, it'd be other impy stouts, barley wines. Yeah, I, I think there, I think there was barley wine. There was a there was a white stout, an imperial white stout, and um, randomly we also pulled out of the fridge an aged can of last year's unhuman cannonball. Oh, what was that well, like? Which was our starting point for the evening. Oh, almost your finishing point then. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to say it wasn't great. Right. So it, it didn't. It hadn't. It hadn't aged well. It just had gone. It had lost everything that was great about it. It's not what it was designed to do, is it? No, absolutely not. And you couldn't even really say that it was. It was turning barley wine because it wasn't. It was. Was it just dying? It was just dying. It, it, it tasted like a dying beer. Yeah. 
So there are some beers which shouldn't be eight, yeah. regardless of the ABV. Yeah. So, so that was uh, that was our intention on the Friday night was just to do um, a few beers from Miles Cellar. Uh, but before that, he took me down to um, Coppers at Gosforth. Oh, nice! Um, which was literally like an Aladdin's cave. It's basically a corner shop. And, and you walk in and there, there's everything that you'd see from a corner convenience shop and then there's this doorway to the right and there's this treasure trove of beers just glowing at you from, <laughs> from the background um, and then you kind of walk through that bit and you go out into like a yard and then Miles walked to one side of the yard and he pushed against the wall and a door opened and it was like this there was a door <laughs> into this uh, basically what's a, sh- a shipping container that they've decked out as their kind of seating area and, and their bar area it's such a great place oh brilliant it's absolutely fantastic yeah, we never we never got over there when we did the Crimbo Crawl in Newcastle no no but they've, um, they've been expanding that anyway haven't they That's, yeah such a fantastic beer range it's been in, getting in, that reputation just carries on building yeah so lots lots of cans and bottles on shelves as you'd expect plus I think they've got something like seven or eight keg lines as, as well so we had a few beers in there to, to start off with as, as well and then um, met Drew who, who kind of runs the place and I said to him recommend me some, some local beers beers that I can't get at home to yeah. take home so he, he recommended me three local breweries um, I bought their beers home and I tried them as, as well I think what was it um, Errant Lazy I want to say Lazy Rider and um, Iron Giant, I think, were the three breweries. That Iron Giant with. rings a bell, but the other two are yeah. unfamiliar to me. So, so that, that that was good. So that was Friday that night. That's Friday. That's so Friday, Friday was uh, Coppers and Stash. And Stash. And okay. then on Saturday we were going into town via a couple of breweries. Did you um, need bacon beforehand? Needed bacon. Had bacon. Then had a car journey. Felt not great when I got out of the car. <laughs> I have to admit. And it was at that point where we opened the nine percent. Imperial Stout and literally just the smell of it and I must have turned green um, because I, I just wasn't ready for it at, at that time in the morning. Not surprised. But we wanted to share it with uh, we, wanted to, we wanted to share it with the brewers. Well, so, well, yeah, maybe their perspective on it was slightly different to you at that point then. Possibly. It, it was still before midday, so... Yeah, it's a um, big beer first thing after the night before yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So first, first stop we went to Box Social who have just moved into new premises uh, and have got a big beer launch coming up this week so they've put uh, some of their beers into cans for the first time and they're all being launched on Thursday 21st of March which is so, Ross's 30th birthday as, as well yeah um, met Ross who's the, the, the head brewer co-owner there and um, also I think it was I think it's Ross and his dad that own Box Social so um, but they've they've expanded to bigger premises so it's allowing them to do canning and, and they've still got space to expand as well so brilliant um, we did try one of their beers earlier, the yep. Tower of Snakes. Yeah, when we did the Periscope um, show, that was um, really that was really nice. The uh, Sour Mash IPA, yeah, delicious. Yeah, so that was good. And then and, and then from there we went to um, Stew Brew, which is uh, a small brewery on uh, the university campus. So it's this person was on Miles' show, wasn't he? So, so the head brewer, Chris, is also uh, known as Dr. Hop right. from the Sipping Forecast podcast. Um, so Chris is, is the head brewer of what is basically like a student enterprise. So the, the, the students will work 
in their downtime, they'll volunteer to work in the brewery and, and they'll then produce the beers and it, they then have students that are responsible for the marketing and the sales and the delivery. So it's all basically run by the students and I think it's the only thing like it in Europe. There, there's it's nothing else. Idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and such a tiny setup. Um, so we, we kind of went in had a look at their setup. They were they were kegging a few of their beers. So it was it was interesting to see the that the beer going from the FB into the, the the key kegs and seeing them fill up and what have you. So um, that that was great. Just having a little look at what they've got going on there. Cool. Did Mars do the Doctor Hop jingle? He didn't. No. He did. we, probably, we said we should have played it. Yeah. As, and then as, he could have, he could have jumped in with the hop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then from there we walked up to the the free trade in. No, no visit to Newcastle is is complete without visiting the free trade. Completely agree with that. And um, we got trapped. I heard about this by, by the it, weather. It must have been frightening being it trapped was, in there. It was terrible. It was glorious when we got there. Managed to get you know the money shot pictures through the big window, through, through the big yeah. window of, of, of the river and the beers and everything. And then all of a sudden you could see coming from the distance that the the, the sky was just black. Um, and then literally for three or four hours it was either absolutely hammering it down or glorious sunshine so we were like there's no point risking it we might as well just stay here so we sampled a good few beers uh, in the free trading. Uh, chatted to Michael, who's who's the, uh, the the guy the guy that runs the place. He was good enough to share some of the beers with, with us from the bar as well. Um, but it was just lovely. It was just lovely sitting there watching the world go by. And enjoying a beer overlooking this amazing. Oh, I could have. I mean, when we did it as part of the Greenberg Crawl back in the 26th, I could have stayed for longer. Yeah. But obviously, you know, Miles had come up with such a brilliant crawl that we did have to move on, but it was glorious spot. Yeah. Glorious spot. Absolutely stunning. Just absolutely stunning. Um, So eventually, when we we felt as though we probably needed. It was safe to leave. It was safe to leave, yeah. Um, we, We moved on to the Crown Posada, which is kind of stepping back into time. Um, I'm sure we went in there on the Crimbo. I've got it in my head. We did uh, very long, very long bar, thin, isn't it? Thin bar. Yeah, because I, um, ca- I had some cask in there. Yeah, we we had cask in there. Uh, it was very much what was needed, uh, and we got we, we had a good chat to to, to Andy, uh, who's the, the the landlord in there. Um, it was just sort of like t- telling us what beers were popular and, and that sort of thing. So we were in there for quite a while chatting to him um, and then we finished our day uh, wandering around Newcastle by going up to the Town Mouse which is a, a, I think it's a fairly new place um, serving a great uh, selection of sort of cask and craft beers um, and met John who is a uh, avid listener of the show so hi John uh, it was nice to meet you at the end of the Hello, evening and, and, and thanks for um, th- thanks for looking after us and Recommending the um, the Marble Brewery Baby Barley Wine that they, they had on. It was 4.9% barley wine Ooh, was on, nice? on cask. From what I can remember, um, it wasn't very barley wine-esque. Yeah. It was more, it just tasted like a best bitter. Okay, re- really. well, I suppose that's where it starts from. Um, 4.9, Marble. Oh, yeah. Probably can't go too long on cask, can It was a pretty decent finish to yeah. the evening. Yeah, I was more than happy with that. So, so yeah, that was a that was a most enjoyable trip uh, around Newcastle. Oh, it sounds like a brilliant weekend. It sounds like a brilliant weekend. You had some really good beers and met some nice people and some good venues. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, like I say, could have could have spent the entire time at the free trade. Re- really could have easily, done. easily. I can but understand that. We we just felt as though we've kind of done it justice. You know, I think we did a good. We easily did four or five hours in there anyway. 
and and it was a case of let's just move on yeah. now. And otherwise, you would if you hadn't moved on, then you probably wouldn't have moved on. I don't think we would have moved on. No, so we would have got to that point. We go, oh, there's no point now. Yeah. So no, nice one, nice one. Um, so what, what what about you? You must have been up. You you must have been up to something. Well, I mean, <laughs> we've obviously we mentioned Desi's Bolt Share, and I haven't. I mean, there, there was uh, you know there was a good standard of beers. There was one really horrible one, which I'm not going to mention because that barely got a register on my untap checking. Oh, uh, yeah, I know the one. And uh, the highlight for me was the ELB, so we've sort of mentioned that. Uh, it's been a bit of a cast couple of weeks for my highlights for beers, rather than being out per se. Um, so I had a bit of a catch-up with some friends uh, recently from where one of the banks I used to work at. And um, despite my sort of subtle and best efforts, we did end up in the Green King pub that I didn't want to go to. Fortunately, I walk in and they had landlord. Oh, marvellous. Downside, no sparkler, but I have to admit it was, it was actually in fantastic condition. So I got it at a very good time. They must they must do well to look after it as well. Bear in mind, it's a very busy London pub down at, down at the Monument, just off London Bridge. Um, I also tried for the first time recently Magic Rock Hattrick, um, an English bitter. Um, just really tasty, just nice and sessionable, under 4%. They had it on at the Ale House. I saw that was on there because I think that's the first time I've ever seen it outside of the tap room. I haven't seen it before. I knew that it existed, but I haven't seen it, and it was tasting really good. And uh, JJ behind the bar said he said, "Well, uh, for all uh, English bitters tasted like this, I'd have less of a downer on it." Mm. Um, you're in the ale house. You don't unless you've got like a cannonball on. You generally don't have two beers. I just had a second pint of it straight away. I said, "I'll have another one of those, please." So that was really nice. Um, the I, I I managed to sneak in a non a non pint of Guinness yesterday before I met up with my folks. So when you listen to this on Thursday, obviously on on Sunday was St Patrick's Day, and I went to a pub which I've only just recently discovered. It's only about four hundred yards away from the pub we were going to go, watch some football, drink lots of Guinness, and um, had a pint of beer from a brewery from my son called Reunion Ales, which I am unfamiliar with. It's not um, one I've heard of before. But it was a table beer. 3.4% on cast called Minimalist and I give it straight straight off the bat 4 out of 5 oh wow really nice must have been impressive to have gone straight in a 4 for a, me a, yeah really impressed with it and I would seek out their other beers if I, if I saw them and knew where to get them now that was a really good example of what you can do with still that lower end of the ABV scale and still make it really drinkable mm. if I if, if uh, I didn't have to go and secure a bit of a spot for 7 of us at, the, at a table I would have had a second one before I left straight away so that was really nice um, and the other thing I've tried a couple of beers at home um, I've now done the Funk versus Punk oh what did you think best of the range from Overwork so far I thought it was a really good balance between still having some really nice elements of Punk in there and that bit of a slightly funky fruity fruity nose mm-hmm. going on um, Funk times Punk was like described it perfectly very little to add after the title to be honest yeah it sort of did line it up nicely. Um, and actually, the other highlight beer is one we're actually trying tonight, so I'm going to leave that for now. Oh, okay. So that, that just happened to be... But yeah, I haven't actually been out per se that much, like beery trips, but obviously, as usual, I'm always trying to sneak a few beers in when I am out. And I mm. said, discovering the old landlord on was definitely a highlight. I got to Green King. Yes. And then, yeah. I'm, and then I'm thinking all night, don't run out. Don't run out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting you say that about Green King, because I, I think I mentioned to you previously that the... Um, since I've moved, the, the pub that's now closest to me is, is Green King Pub. Is it the, the Swan? The Swan. But recently there have been um, 
an A-board appeared outside of the, the the pub, which was an Adnams A-board ad advertising that they've got um, cask, Southwell Bitter and Ghost Ship. And I was like, it's quite a departure for a Green King pub. Um, I had a few hours spare yesterday afternoon, so, so, so we went down to investigate and, and walked in and lo and behold, it's still Green King branded on the outside, but on the inside, all the Green King branding has gone. There was not a IPA handle to be seen. Nothing that so suggested it was. So think it's becoming an Adams pub, or is it becoming a free house? It's, it's now a free house because I, I got chatting to him and, and said, "Why are you no longer tied to Green King?" And I said, "No, we're, we're free house now, and they're stocking Adams because all their branding is now Adams. They've got Adams bar mats, Adams ice coolers. Because that would have been unusual for." The two biggest brewers in Suffolk. Yeah, to, to have shared shared some tax space. They've, they've also got, in addition to Southwell Bitter and Ghost Ship, they've also got Bitburger, which Adams distribute as well, yeah. don't they? So, since so yeah, so my local, what is my closest pub at home, now has cast Ghost Ship on all the time. You're just saying this to piss me off, aren't you? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but I, I, I was so happy. I had three pints of it yesterday afternoon. <laughs> three pints of ghost ship. Yeah. I did see. I did see one of the check-ins. I ignored the others. <laughs> right. So that's that's what I've been up to. Okay. I have a feeling you have one more beer adventure to share. I've got one more beer adventure and, and just a couple of beers that I want to mention as well. Do the beers first. Okay. So I had um, the recency effect and primacy effect now who are these from this is magic rock and buxton so it's two collaborations um basically identical recipes but brewed at each brewery so one so same recipes but magic rock brewed one yeah. so the different name which so who did which recency effect was magic rock primacy effect was buxton right both west coast ipas both coming in at 7%. And you did a bit of a snap poll for this? I did, yeah. I asked um, people which one they thought I would prefer. And the majority of people said, you'll, you'll prefer the Magic Rock one. And? I prefer the Buxton one. Ooh. Um, the Magic, uh, don't get me wrong, both were excellent beers. Oh, you know, I saw that. And, and yeah. in terms of um, the West Coast styling, absolutely bang on for, for both of them. What edged it for me with the Buxton one was it had more of a resinous, bitter finish to it, whereas Magic Rock's finish was, although it was bitter, it was slightly softer in, in, in the bitterness. Okay, so and, it didn't quite have that resonance and sharpness. Yeah, and, and I just thought that the Buxton one just edged it for me. But I, I, was, I was intrigued more by the fact that this, this kind of experiment that they had done where... You've, but you've basically taken the recipe and you've brewed it in two different places. And you can still come out with a different effect even though it's the same thing. Yeah. But that, that would happen if, if we were, if we took exactly the same ingredients for say, I don't know, a mac and cheese. I'd be very surprised if it didn't taste different. Yeah, no. If you did yours at your place and I did mine at my place and, you know, again, like I said, exactly the same thing. You might cook yours for a minute more. I might cook mine for two minutes less or something like that. And you would still end up with something slightly different. Yeah. So it's but, not a shock. No, no, it's not. But I was just fascinated yeah, by yeah. it. And, and well, I, there's I, been similar experiments with like the, the, the same beers and either the different hops or the different yeast yeah. strains, haven't they? But this is probably the first time I've heard this particular type of uh, collaboration. Especially it's a collaboration. It was, yeah, it was collaboration. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that, so that was the beers. And then... Um, 
my final beer adventure. Um, I'm going to get into it in a minute because you're, you're pouring our next beer. Well, I think I, well, I need a beer to, while, while you're telling us about this beer adventure. So okay. I am pouring us um, from uh, Brew York, Black IPA, Black Eagle, 5.8%. Um, and again, we have some um, cascade in this, but we've got some of the, well, a few C's, effectively. The Cascade, Centennial and Chinook. So it's, it's your classic sea hops. Yes. Classic American sea hops. Why are you pouring that? Final thoughts on the Black Cascade from Steel City Brewery? Do you know what? Because um, we were chatting and listening, etc., while we were drinking it, that bitterness just died off for me. It didn't die off it in a bad way. I mean, I just wasn't... Oh, it was there on every mouthful. I just, but I wasn't noticing it as much because yeah. I, I wasn't paying as much attention to it. I really enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed it. I'd, I'd, I'd question how many I'd be able to have of that before that bitterness became maybe a bit much. I wonder what that would be like on cask. Because I wonder if that really heavy bitterness at the end would be slightly mm. softer on a cask beer. Do you want a black IPA on cask? I think that would work on cask, that one. Well, it's Sheffield, got it. Sheffield is the capital of cask. Yes. And uh, obviously if I had it in the Rutland Arms, it wouldn't count because I'd forgot. If you could even remember what the Rutland Arms looked like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you'd probably, probably walk past it and not even recognise <laughs> yeah. it, to be honest with you. So, uh, well, let's dig into let's, this. Let's give this a try. Cheers. Cheers. They have a very distinctive nose, don't they, Black IPAs? Yes. This one isn't quite as chocolatey, dark chocolate, as the Black Cascade. Oh, that's got a really... That's got a really fresh feel about it. Not, yeah. not, not fresh as in... Fresh, no, but, but fresh, fresh as in outside. Yes. You, you it's know, it's got, like you've stepped in and you've taken in a big mouthful of the outside. It's got a, a fruit, uh, uh, this fresh fruit going on. Yeah. Um, yeah definitely some, less some, of, some dark berries, maybe some dark fruits in there. Yeah, but less of the, uh, obviously the bitterness is a lot less. And less, like I said, less of that dark chocolate going yeah. on at the moment. But initial thoughts are, it's, um, again, quite tasty. On, on that first mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. So, Steve... So, my final beer adventure. Give us it. Give us your um, final beer adventure. Listeners will remember um, from the, the, the last show and, 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 and the polls that we were doing about um, sort of customer service and behaviours at the bar and that sort of thing, that uh, there was a tweet from Rich Taylor, who's the bar manager at the Vic in, in Colchester. Yep. Um, and he finished that tweet, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the word now, but he finished the tweet with the hashtag come do a shift so I said okay I will when when can we do it so we made arrangements and I I, I went down to the Vic last Thursday night so it'd be a week from the time of yes. the release yep, yep week ago um, and I did a shift um, behind the bar uh, and it was a lot of fun right. yeah I was going to say first thing did you enjoy it I, I enjoyed it I was uh, properly nervous pulling my first actual pint so I've never I've never pulled um, like a, a cast beer through a hand pump before. So, so, so I've worked at a beer festival where I've done gravity pours. Yep. I've, I've worked at a, a festival bar where I've done keg pours, but I've never done a, a cast beer. And that, that was the thing that I was most worried about right. was, was, was pulling uh, a decent pint of, of cask. Um, so Rich showed me how to do it. And it's one of those things, I suppose, in time, you know, you get used to it. Come and, second nature, yeah. I imagine. Uh, I do feel like 
I wasted an awful lot of beer um, <laughs> topping up the pints. Uh, and I think there might have been a few short pours handed out as well. So uh, if anyone from the Victoria Inn is listening, apologies yeah, on apologies, behalf of the show. Apologies for that. And then um, then Andy and Sheena came in and Andy demanded uh, a pint of um, his beloved ambassador. I was going to say, it's got to be ambassador, isn't uh, it? Poured in the northern style. So I had, so to, had to tighten up the... Um, the, sparkler. the sparkler and, and give him a proper tight northern head on his pine. <laughs> as, as, and was, as well. was, was he pleased with the dispense? He was. He was pleased with it. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was good fun. Um, you'll know it's a fairly small bar behind. Uh, the, yeah, the you've thinking. only got room for two or three people. Tops. There were three of us working, and you, you kind of constantly feel like you're in each other's way. Um, and yeah, it's doing fine, serving quite a lot of cask beer throughout the evening, which is obviously something that they specialise yep. in. A few keg pours here and there, quite a bit of uh, lager. And, and then it, it got a little bit later on in the evening and uh, a woman came to the bar and she said, oh, tell me about your jeans. <laughs> and I just sort of went, they're there. <laughs> and just pointed behind me. It's some vague array of bottles. <laughs> yeah. And, and she was like, oh, okay, well, can you tell me anything about them? And I was like, well, that one that says it's a strawberry gin probably tastes like strawberry. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, she eventually went for something that she liked the bottle of. Um, so I, I, I did, a, did her a gin and tonic as well. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was good fun. Um, and it was... It was a bit of an eye-opener. I mean, it was Thursday nights. It wasn't overly busy. Um, steady, and a steady stream, I imagine, on the Thursday night. It was a steady stream. And people were generally being fairly polite yeah. as, as, as well. I think, I think Richard, Richard probably flagged it. briefed quite a lot of the, 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 sort of the, the, the locals that I was going to be in there. But, but no, it was, it was good to see how, I suppose, when, when you get busy, um, how quickly something could go wrong. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not paying attention to what the customer's telling you. I, I, I suppose that's the one thing. Yeah, no, that'd be understandable, especially, especially for a newbie, which yeah. is what you were. Yeah. Now, speaking of being a newbie, <laughs> I, I have a, an A4 piece of paper here. So Rich very kindly contacted me on the Friday and has effectively done a school report for you. Brilliant. Um, and it does look like a, a school It does, report. yeah, yeah. You can have this obviously at the end. So, okay. Um, so he's broken it down into, into categories. Uh, timekeeping. Comment. Steve derived early for his shift, which shows enthusiasm and commitment. Improvements. Nothing to approve on here. Staff can't, that arrive early can prepare themselves for the shift ahead and get the general feel of how that shift is going to be. This also gives people a chance to communicate to each other any important info needed. No one likes a team member that is late. So, sounds like you did it right there. Technical ability. <laughs> Comment. Steve picked up most things easily as he explained to him to think about how you would like your drink to look and all the mistakes can be sorted out fairly easily. He didn't break anything and with a little guidance his pint pouring was to a good standard. Improvements. I'm happy with that. Again, no improvement needed. Like in all walks of life, nerves will fade and technique will improve in time. No one is perfect. Oh, it's a long time since Steve got told that. Communication skills. Steve had no issues talking to fellow members of the team and customers. For a while he was talked at by various customers, but he just learned to nod and smile. He used manners and smiled and gave that personal touch. Again, nothing really here needed from Steve um, on terms of approval, but sometimes staff can get caught up chatting and keeping punters waiting, which isn't a good thing. Be aware of your surroundings. 
So that's quite an odd one, isn't it? Because I was reading an article uh, very recently in um, an edition of Ferment about um, that some people, when they go to the pub, part of the appeal for them is that chat with the barman. Yeah. So in a local pub, it must be hard to strike the balance between talking to the locals because you know them and you know bits about them, but also being mindful that as a punter, waiting to be served and he hasn't got a drink. So finally, final thoughts. Steve did very well for his first shift behind a bar. Well, four hours. So obviously Rich doesn't consider four hours as a shift. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, once he relaxed a little, he took the ball by the horns and went for it. I'm glad Steve has had the chance to experience a smaller amount of what goes on the other side of the bar. Hopefully he can report back to Lister some positive comments about his experience. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, this should earn me some serious number one fan points. <laughs> That's what it's like. That's the only reason he's done it, I'm sure. <laughs> we look forward to seeing Steve and Martin back in the Vic, and maybe just maybe you'll see both of them behind the bar in the near future. Big love from all at the Vic. Oh, fantastic. So there you go. I, I've had the soft copy positive, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's very positive. I read that, um, had a little look. I thought it was really nice. And, you know, joking aside, very nice of Rich to bother doing all of that because it could almost have said in the tweet, Steve did, Steve did well, you know, no complaints. Yeah kept it to the 280 characters but he's actually taken the time to do that so yeah. thanks very much Rich and thanks thanks to the Vic for having my co-host and if, if there's any way we can work it I'll quite happily do that one I, I was going to say unbeknown to you so Rich and I were talking about yeah. <laughs> um, later on in the year so we, we, we've got quite an important event happening in the summer that we need to get over for, first of all yeah. um, which is your wedding. No, yeah, it's nothing to do with the show, in case, no. in case anybody was wondering. Yeah. Um, so I, I said to Rich, um, we were talking about the tail end of the year. Maybe you and I doing uh, a full Saturday afternoon shift yeah. in, in, in the Vic. So, so hopefully you will see both of us behind the bar. At well, the, yeah, at I, I, I would quite happily give it a go, but, you know, well done. Well done for doing it and Thank uh, you. well done on the, on the feedback. It sounds like everyone appreciated it and you enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and like I said, I think it just kind of closed that circle a little bit for us. In what we've been talking about. A few polls we've been doing and actually being able to experience that. For, yeah, and for we were talking about the pub on the last show as well, weren't we? So, yeah, that yeah, no, was good. Um, what are your thoughts on this beer before we break, break into the news? I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's like I said, there's, uh, for, for me, it's, it's, it's got, got that dark fruit. Sorry. Yeah, it's got, I was just literally just about to say dark fruits. Um, there is a little bit, just a hint of... A hint of chocolate on the finish for me. Well, the chocolate's now, for me, starting to come through a bit. And I'm feeling like um, the best I can get to it, without it being anywhere near as sweet, is towards that Black Frost Ghetto type of... That's a great shout. Yeah. Flavour. That's what I'm getting now, because you've got a small amount of that chocolate coming through now. Those, um, and you said it earlier on, the fruit is coming through. I think it's a real... I mean, is it necessarily what I expect from Black RPA? I'm not, not entirely sure it is. But I am enjoying it. I am. And, and maybe one of the things we should be looking at with these, because one of the, one of the, the criticisms that you often get of a black IPA is, well, it's, it's, it's just like a hoppy stout. Yeah. Or it's a hoppy porter. I can say to at the moment, this is like overly hoppy. And when I talk about hoppy, obviously we know that all the beers have hops in them, apart from the odd few. Yeah. Is more, the black IPA style that I've always championed has been those ones which have been more the uh, West Coast led hop forward type yeah. of bit of pine, bit of resinous, some citrus notes going on. This yeah. almost feels like um, you know a more of an English fruits of the forest mm. kind of go at it. But I am enjoying it. I think so far both are on style in in terms of the black IPA. 
I think they're. I actually think they're both uh, definitely in that ballpark, but they're both different to ones I've tried before. I, mm. I've definitely had nothing as bitter as the first one, and the sort of English forest fruit kind of thing I haven't really had before either. So, very nice though. But yeah. what I'm not getting from either of them so far is that roastiness, which is the thing which, which takes it too far to a port yeah. territory. Yeah. So yeah, good start. While we finish this, then let's get into uh, what. It's possibly going to be a lengthy news. Yep. This sit, evening. sit back, crack open a beer, <laughs> and or, t- or two. <laughs> um, okay, so first up is the news that um, Fuller's head brewer, Georgina Young, um, is leaving to join Bath Owls. Uh, this was news that, that, that broke on Twitter in the last week. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I'm going to go positive. I think that um, it's a great thing for... Um, it's a great get for St. Austell and Bath Owls. Because, I mean, obviously Bath Owls are part of the St. Austell mm. family, aren't they? Um, you know, Fuller's are a fairly traditional brewer and have been up until this point. Um, that seems to fit in with St. Austell and Bath Owls. I also think Bath Owls has been a very solid brewer without necessarily blowing you away. I mean, Georgina comes with a fantastic reputation. So I think if we look at it from the positive aspect, which I think is always something a bit nicer to do anyway, I think it's going to be really good for them. I mean, there was a lot, I mean, there's some good publicity about that just by her turning up. Yeah. This is an experienced brewer regardless of anything else. So I think there's a lot of positive about it. Not, not such great news for Fuller's though, is it? No. To, to play devil's advocate. Yeah, no, no. For, for, for Fuller's, it is a, it's a it's a disappointing move for them. You know, it is their star player. If I want to use a football analogy, so Fuller's have, for whatever reason, um, either, and I haven't seen anything, and I don't remember seeing anything about George, what Georgina's thoughts are. Just saying that you know she's pleased to be going to Bath Owls, but they've lost their star. Fuller's have lost their star player. I think I think the, the thing that's interesting for me is that having spoken to both John Keeling and Georgina in the past on on different interviews, is that head brewers don't leave Fuller's. They they retire. They they become ambassadors. Yeah. And normally the the standard process with Fuller's has always been that the departing head brewer would have already chosen their successor mm-hmm. in, in terms of who well, they had, was it Reg before John? Yeah. So Reg, John, Georgina, one had chosen All had the other. picked by the one there was a succession before them. Yeah. So it, from, from that point of view, it's 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 an interesting statement and, and an interesting move. Yeah. Yes, it's great. It's great for Georgina that she's getting to move on and you know use her skills and expertise elsewhere. And as you say, rightly say, it's great for Bath Hours as well because they're getting all of that. But looking at the side of things well what does this actually mean for, for Fuller's now there were a couple of um, comments that we picked up from Twitter yep. in, in, in the aftermath of this and I just just want to read a couple of these out because I, th- I think it might it might just spark a little bit of uh, either conversation between us or, or, or some interaction from the listeners um, so Jeff Alworth at Beervana uh, for those wondering if Asahi's takeover of Fuller's would spark any big changes here's the first part of the answer I consider this quite bad news for those hoping for continuity at the Griffin Brewery. It's a very valid point. I saw that one come up and um, 
felt like a statement of fact more than anything else. I mean, it's going to be hard. Yeah. When I can't imagine that succession had happened because Georgina had only really been in the role for a couple of years. Yeah. I can't imagine. Well, we've only that. just seen. Well, her th- the first Vince Jail was the one Vince with her name. Yeah, on. that was the first one, wasn't it? Which we both enjoyed. Yes, I've enjoyed that many times. So. <laughs> that one. Uh, which is a point that Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulian made when I. Because I, I was involved in a few conversations on the day about this. And, and I said about the vintage owl. Is that, and, and I, I think like, you said, is this the last Is this the last, we'll see of the last it one? Now, because essentially, at the moment, brewer, Fuller's have no head brewer. And I would have thought that the... 2019 must be in the planning. Must be starting to be brewed about this time of year because it's normally ready for the Gee. Great British Beer Festival, yeah, isn't and it? Yeah, that's only August. Yeah. It's not far off. So Sean came back and said, you may well be my, right. I imagine that Vintage Ale takes a dis... Still can't, still can't... I can't say this word. So, uh, <laughs> you, you, shall I read this one? You, you read this yeah. one, yeah. So, you may well be right. I imagine that Vintage takes a disproportionate amount of time and other resources for the amount of money it makes. Worthwhile if you want to be taken serious as a brewery, not so much if you're interested in the bottom line. So, so what? So, what do you think on this one? Do you do you think we've seen? Have we seen the last vintage owl? Well, I certainly went onto the website as soon as the news that Georgina was going was announced to see if I could buy any more 2018s, on the basis that I thought that a it's the only one which had her name on it, and b the thought had then crossed my mind that it may well be the last one. It'd be a shame if it is, um, but I'm glad she would have got at least her name on one of them. Yeah. While she was still, while she it's was still there. It's got such a rich heritage, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is a rich heritage, um, but it's convincing if, if you know, we go along the lines of bottom line. But you know, yes, when they first come out, they're at a nice, reasonable price, six pound for a bottle, or you can go to a few festivals and get some fresh pours of it, and then they go up to this inflated price later on. And presumably, all those ones you can buy in the online shop across the years are all stored somewhere at Fuller's. There's that storage space that you might want to take up with something mm-hmm. else. It's the same as the, I mean, that you can apply the same uh, analogy to the past masters, the brewer's reserves. These are all part of their limited edition range, which I have certainly enjoyed over the years, buying and, and saving and sampling. Maybe it's going to be something that definitely falls down the list I hope to be pleasantly surprised, though. So do I, but it would be a real shame to see the end of that series. It would be a shame, but like I said, I mean, there will be in the planning, like you said. Um, and Sean followed it up saying, can't help wondering if this is related to the SI takeover and what implications it might have for Fuller's. However, I will certainly keep an eye out for anything new coming out of Bath Owls. Fuller's losses, Bath Owls gain. Yeah, so I think people will be curious to see what starts happening with them. Um, but yeah, I think... We, we discussed Fuller's quite some detail before, but I think 2019, for those people who do have a bit of an interest in Fuller's, it's going to be a bit of a watching brief to mm. see what changes happen, not and what not what the changes are on their own, but what the impact of those changes are. At the moment, all, that, all that's happened is Georgina has left. We don't know the impact of Georgina leaving or what the knock-on impact might be. So I think it's going to be a bit of a wait and see on this one. Yeah, I think, like I say, it's a watch this space, isn't yeah. it? Sieber released a report um, entitled The British Craft Beer Report 2019. So, so this was released as part of the Sieber the, the X kind of festival beer festival oh, yeah, that conference. Took, took place in Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, which, which was last week. Um, and, and I'm assuming this is uh, that they've done this as a 
counterpoint to the cask report that normally comes out in September. So, so this is looking at craft beer trends in particular. Um, so new research shows consumers believe that craft beer comes from small independent brewers and not the global beer companies. Uh, only 2% of consumers surveyed said that craft beer could be made by a global brewer, whereas 43%, by far the largest um, sample size, said that craft beer is made by small breweries. Uh, it was a CBA YouGov survey which was carried out in February 2019 as part of the report and included 2,000 consumers who um, were asked what the term craft meant to them. Well, I didn't receive that. I didn't receive that. Um, I went, I, to be honest, I haven't really got much to say about it. It feels like that's just Seba trying to push their craft mark. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be fair, I've not had a chance to read the report yet. It's quite it's quite a big report. There's a lot to, to read through. And, and also, the wording of the question, I think, skewed it towards yeah. the, the obvious answer, but it's not the big boys. Yeah, there is... Um, if anybody wants to read that report, there's a link in the show notes that, that, that people can click through and have a read of the report because it is publicly available. Um, oh, yeah, it's not secret, is it? No, I mean, it, no. it was released uh, as part of the whole SIVA conference, was it? A two or three day thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, coming out of that conference, um, they do also issue some awards. Yes, as, there, there were some winners. As well. There were some winners. Um, so, Gloucester Brewery and Swanee Brewery have taken home overall champion gold in the Cask and Keg Awards at the, uh, this year's awards. And Wibblers Brewery, local to us here in Essex, I have invested in them, being named the best bottled or canned beer for their um, port-infused imperial stout. All right, I haven't tried that one because they've got a few stout ranges yeah. in the George bin bottles. As far as I know, they've still only canned one or two beers, haven't they? Yeah. But, um, well, congratulations. Yeah, it was good Good to see um, Essex getting a mention. Yeah. There. Um, and uh, along that same... Some more Essex thing, mentions. Some more Essex mentions. Leon Sea Brewery um, entered four kegs into the competition and all four of them... Um, won regional golds. Um, Legra Pal, which is a beer that we've both enjoyed before, also picked up a national silver. So congratulations to both Wibblers and Leon C as um, local Essex breweries flying the fag for great beer. Yeah, and I've, I have to admit, I've been, I have been impressed, with, especially with the Leon C beers, and having met them a couple of times, they're really nice people as yeah. well. I think we're hoping to try and do something. With yeah, them again, it's just logistics. Yeah. It's just logistics, but it'd be worth it. If they have it should be... It should be easy yes. to, to set up. It should be easy to set up. <laughs> but these things always sound easier than they actually are yeah. in reality. Yeah, I mean, largely the, the thing is getting you and I in the same place at the, at same, the same time. At the same time, yeah, the brews, they'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll be there. They'll, they they'll there. be there waiting for us. Um, staying on the Essex theme... Uh, Sorry, everyone. Got the news, finally, that, that we've been waiting for, you, you could say, that, that, that Brewdog are finally looking to open a bar in Chelmsford. So they've um, every year Brewdog announce a list of places where they want to look to open bars. So they've decided not to open in Southend then? No. Um, this year they've said that Chelmsford is on their hit list in, in terms of where, where they want a bar. So they're encouraging people to um, actually make recommendations. 
There's a form, this is the Great Brewdog Bar Hunt 2019, which runs until the end of September. You can make nominations for anywhere on a purpose-built form on their website um, that you can fill out all the details. There are some specific requirements they're looking for yeah. in terms of space, but if they, if they follow up on your suggestion and actually end up signing a deal on the space... Uh, there's a finder's fee of five or ten thousand pound up for offering. That's worth having. It's, it's worth making a suggestion, That's isn't it? That's worth having. Um, Better I odds mean, than a lottery. Yeah, I mean, Chelmsford is definitely. I mean, it's uh, it is our city in 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 Essex. It is mid Essex. It's nicely located for public transport. It's one of the few. Some of the places in Essex aren't so easy to get to, are they? No. So I can definitely see why they're they're pitching up there, and it's got a good scene. So you know. I think it, I've, I actually think it would be a compliment to what's going on in Chelmsford already. I, I think it would work in Chelmsford. I, if you're thinking about the sort of places we might want to go to, if they could find that sweet spot in between three or four other places, it becomes a bit of a destination crawl yeah. for some people. Yeah. And people will always visit a brew dog. People I, will always come from out of town to visit a new brew dog. They've become like a panini sticker book. Well, they, they actually do have their own sticker book yeah. now, don't they? That you can. Yeah, yeah. I've got no problem with them rocking up. I mean, you know, one of our favourite places in Bristol was our, our quick, our quick visit to Brewdog. Really friendly. It's say what you like about them. You always know what you're going to get when you yes. go to one of their bars. Yep, I'm, I've got no problem with it at all. So yeah, good luck. And if you know, if you are listening and you are in the Chelmsford area and you know anywhere you think you can get that five ten thousand, go for it. Yeah, don't don't. Rest on your laurels. It, it makes me want to go and scour all the empty places in Chelmsford, yeah. to be honest with you, I mean, and you know, make some suggestions. Presumably, if three or four of you all suggest the same thing, they'll just split it. But I mean, that's, what, two, two and a half grand? Yeah. Have that. So, big, nice bar tab. Easy money. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've both finished the, the, yes. the, the Brew York beer. Um, Final thoughts? Really enjoyed it. Really drinkable. Yeah, really, yeah. really drinkable. Um, again, I'm, on style for me. Um Ticking all the boxes in, in in terms of it being a black IPA and, and tasting like an IPA. I'm going to say not necessary on point for me, but really enjoyed it. Yeah. So what have we got next? So we have a collaboration between Cloudwater and White Hag. Um, I've got. I think this is sort of based on the White Hag Black Pig. Okay, now that's stout, isn't it? Yes, and we've. I think we've both sampled the Black Pig yeah. previously. So this was one of the collaboration beers that Cloudwater did for the friends and family. Yeah, festival. Um, it's got a there's a fruit. typically white hag name to it as as well, which um, knowing how successful we normally are with pronunciation, no, this can only go one way. Uh, 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 are you going to give it a go, or do you want me to? No, no to I'll give. It, I'll, it? I'll cock it up first. Okay. So that's the best way in it. Oh, for goodness' sake. No I'm, chance. I'm so glad you volunteered. <laughs> Ked Gan... I can't pronounce that last one. This is where I need Ked, my mum and dad. Ked No chance of pronouncing that. That's very Celtic. Okay. Um, so this is a 6.2%. It comes in the, you know, what is now the ubiquitous size with Cloudwater, the 440. Um, shall we get into it? Yeah, let's give it a try. I mean, it's... It, it looks that's that's the blackest beer we've had so far yes you can't see through it I mean, so, I mean this dark I mean and the black pig is a very dark style yeah you, you've I mean the last two you've been able to see through almost to the point of they've almost looked like a dark ruby beer 
the the brew York definitely had a bit of a ruby yeah. tinge to it. Oh, that's a completely different nose. Yeah, from the last two. Now, my recollection of Black Pig is very much on that traditional style, but a bit quite a bit of a modern thing. This has got a lot of fruit going on. This one has. I'm getting none of the fruit. Really? No. You're getting no fruit at all? No, I'm getting... Um, I'm getting I'm loads of fruit. getting a... A real lot of earthiness from that. Ooh. We're very different on this a one at the slight, moment. There's also a slight hint of um, smoke in there for me as well. A little bit of... Maybe maybe a little bit of peat again. Ooh, we'll have to see how we... going on in that. Because we've got two different beers out of the same can at the moment. Yeah. I mean, we are polar opposites there, Definitely. aren't we? So we got new, we still got we news. still got news we still got news. So um, staying on the Manchester theme, uh, Marble Brewery. Uh, for those that are aware, are currently in the process of opening up a new brewery uh, in Salford, uh, moving to large premises, and they got the nod last week that nobody objected to their proposals to have a tap room on site. So they're going to be opening um, a tap room at the new brewery as well. So oh, okay, fairly much guarantee that's going to become a destination, isn't it? Just marble marble tap room fresh marble beer yeah and then go to the marble arch yeah and have some cheesy chips with gravy yeah. but that's great news that is brilliant news I'm, I really, it's really nice to hear that when it all there's less issues for people when those sort of things yeah. go through because people do make objections really good definitely somewhere I want to visit I'd, I'm, yeah I'm looking forward to making that like you say a destination yeah well, well, why wouldn't you yeah um, the Tate um, are continuing their series of tap takeovers this year so taking place on the last Thursday of each month um, the Tate will be welcoming a series of different breweries uh, there's already been a couple this year um, but coming up they've got uh, Thornbridge on the 28th of March which is next Thursday which we're going along to yes, the, yep. the, the Thornbridge one um, and I mean this is sounds right up your street it's the journey of Jaipur damn <laughs> as Martin's journey into something yeah. starts which will revolve around their Jaipur beer the beer that put them on the map as a brewery um, so there's going to be the brewer's going to be there talking about the beers there's going to be a range of beers available to try um, tickets are available if if you want to get along to this um, various prices dependent on how much you want to buy in, in advance beer wise and food wise I've never, I've um, never been to the Terrace Bar to take so I've been to uh, the bars towards the tops as a members one but um, and there's one at the very top which has got a fantastic view across yeah. the Thames which um, I think for us it'd be worth going there anyway for a drink at, at the top because on a, on a clear evening fantastic views oh, okay be well worth going up there they've got a good bottle selection upstairs actually on the, oh, on cool. the seventh floor cool. just really well you just need to get students out of the way who are nicking all the wifi I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it actually um, like I say if people want to get along there still tickets available just go to tate.org.uk and just search for their tap takeovers uh, a couple of interesting ones coming up as well in April they've got one for Anzac Day uh, four New Zealand breweries two Australian breweries and then in May they've got a Beavertown takeover as well which I think I mean that one's going to work really well with the Tate isn't it because yeah. Beavertown are known for, the, for, for their yeah. art and what, what Nick does with their designs and you've got to feel that that one's going to be something special yeah and we're, we're, we're hoping to, to be able to do that one as well and, and the price of the tickets get you there's various uh, ticket prices which get you either just the beers some beers and a bite to eat some beers bite to eat and a gift bag yeah so there's varying different things and the prices don't seem too bad actually no I mean the, the, the basic package is six thirds of beer for 20 quid yeah 
basically. And uh, just so, so you know, you've got an idea that you know one of the beers is their necessary evil, their twelve percent imperial stout. Yep. Alongside Jaipur. Jaipur, obviously. Love, Love Among the Ruins and a few others as well. Yeah, yeah. So very much looking forward to that. We'll, we'll report back on that on the on the next show. Yes. Um, and then finally in, in the news, because I didn't really know where else to put it. Um, it's probably an appropriate place. Last week, uh, the, the, the BBC, uh, I think it's quite a long-running series that they've had called Inside the Factory. Yeah, this is... Not the first series, let alone the first episode. Yeah. Um, last week, the inside the factory went into um, Molson Coors in, in, in Burton, where yep. they produced Carlin, to look at the process of beer from the field to the can. It's, to the it's, very, it's very similar to that new Carlin advert. Yeah. Yeah. Timed very well. Um, I sat and watched it. Um, putting aside my feelings about Greg Wallace for, oh, he's, for, for one for one moment, he's harmless. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't watch him every week. No, I couldn't. I couldn't watch him week in and week out. But um, I actually enjoyed it. I um, found it quite educational in in parts. In, I thought it was really good in terms of of, of some of. I thought it was really what, good. what they were telling. Um, I found it quite eye opening in terms of processes that they use and, and how they differ from what we're aware of that craft breweries might use or and, and particularly the whole they're making lager in five days it's like yeah although <laughs> to be fair Greg thought that was a long time yeah Greg was surprised by that Greg was surprised about that I mean I think the, I think the first thing to say is I thought I mean basically I mean this, I had a quick look the viewing figures for this show across its many series is around about three million you know, a small percentage of those people have already got a decent beer knowledge. Another percentage will have a bit of knowledge. And there'd be a lot of people who wouldn't know nothing about that. I thought it was really well explained, the process. I thought showing the sheer scale that's of that what, operation. That's what blew me away, those, the size of it. Those cans. Yeah. Now, putting aside what you may or may not think about carling, and the fact that they managed to do all that lager with 21 grams, 21 kilograms of hot pellets only. Um, they are aiming for consistency. That's what they're doing, you know, and it's about that beer being right and the same. Time in, time out, cleaning those cans, aerating those cans, everything they were doing, it was amazing. Um, but I think what they did do, they did intersperse it with a little bit of history of beer, with a bit of a, a little bit of a visit and a tasting with uh, Jager Wise from Wildcard Brewery. So we, yeah. had, we did see a contrast between how Carling make the beer and the size of the vessels that they were yeah. using at Wildcard Brewery. So I thought that was actually really nicely slotted in. So we let Greg do the, this is the beer factory. And then we had the bit about, and, and they did a bit of a tasting at the pub with the different glasses with that professor as well. So I actually thought, I think if you'd had a, a pure hour of carling from start to finish it may have got a little bit tired because it would have been a bit more Greg as well but I think interspersing with the other bits very good I think there's a few more people in there who will know a bit more about beer and there's probably a few people who may not even have known that hops went into lager because yeah. they're not in carling they're not overtly there are they <laughs> no, 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 and I have to admit it's a long time since I've had a carling, but it, I don't remember thinking, "Oh, a nice citrus hoppy aroma." It did feel like the amount of hops that they put in was somewhat dispropor- disproportionate to everything else that went in. Oh yeah, 
But again... It seemed like a very small amount of hops. But again, if we take Greg at face value, he was surprised at the volume of hops going in. Yeah. And, and, but also, it was 21 kilograms. <laughs> it had to be on the 21 kilograms. Everything was measured and marked. And then he asked that question at the end, and I think this is the same as how Budweiser operate. Have you got any storage? No. Cans come in, they get filled up, cans go out. We don't store any of them. Yeah. So basically, they work on a just-in-time kind of basis. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I, no, I, I, I thought it was good, and I think I, um, I, think I tweeted on the evening that some, sometimes you need to step outside of this beer bubble that, 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 that we sit in, and it, it would have been very easy to have been over-analytical about it all and to have, to have torn it apart. Yeah. But actually... I, I I thought it was a very good program. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning things that I didn't know, um, and much the same as you, I was just blown away by the the, the sheer scale. Yeah, and we of, of the operation. Say a few months ago, we went to Guinness, and judging by the numbers they were talking about, it's a bigger operation. Those vessels held more pints. Yeah, and that was very good of them. They converted it to pints as well. Yeah, see, it's not just us. Yeah. The BBC do it as well. In which case, that's good enough for me. But that was that was one side of the operation that we never saw at Guinness, was it? There was we never any saw, sort of canning. We line. didn't we didn't see how it went from vessels to dispense, whether yeah. it be bottles, cans, or keg. But um, I, like I said I thought it was very good. I mean, three million people. Some people have learned a bit more than they did before. Nice little shout out for Wildcard. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. And that's available on iPlayer, I, I, I would imagine, if people want to... That's how I watched it. Yeah, if well, yeah, people want to see it. You told me I had homework to do. Yeah, so yeah so <laughs> I, I made you watch that. You made me watch it. For, for the show. But I'm glad I did watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of the news, finally. Right, show's over. Yeah, yeah, and we're done. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> no, we're not. We've, right, we've so still got the, uh, the, the the crux of the, the show. What, the actual sh- what the show's called? Yeah. Um, how's your thoughts on the beer, though? Because I'm still enjoying it and I'm still getting some I'm not getting any of your earthiness and potential pieces I'm still getting this these fruity aromas coming through for me I'm getting no fruit on that it's a while since we've been so divergent on the same that day. is that is all there's there's roasted notes in that for me there's roasted there's 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 bitter chocolate there's there's earthiness there's a little bit of smoke in there so I'm getting a bit of chocolate everything else you said I'm not getting any of those. That's really strange. I'm getting a, a nice dry bit of finish at the, at the back, at very at the very back end of it. But I can't I can't believe that we're so different on yeah, on, that's on the same bit. Yeah. Curious. I mean, we've got a bit more to go. So yeah. you know, as we dig into opinions, we'll see what we think. But yeah, I'm curious about that one. Okay. Well, let's um, let's dive into this week's question. Opinions. 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 Opinions, opinions. So this was, we mentioned this briefly on um, the last show, and that was that the Portman Group have released new guidelines around um, packaging size and units. So we, we asked a fairly simple question, is this good or bad for the consumer? Oh, how did this poll go, Steve? 387 votes. Percentages. 93% <laughs> of people thought it was bad for the consumer. <laughs> Only 7% thought it was good for, for the consumer. So before we dig into those um, comments and our thoughts, uh, I want to take a bit of time to build a little bit of context. You can give us a bit of background here. Yeah, because we did, um, when we recorded the last show, this, this, this came out on the day of recording. 
Yeah, we um, didn't have it. We did it. We we openly said we did not have enough time to go into it. But with something like this, you uh, if you're going to do it, you do it properly. Just don't bother doing it at you, all. You've, you've got to you've got to read it a couple of times to pull out the key points. Yes. Yeah. So um, the particular um, document that we're referring to is is a new guidance note from the Portman Group. It's Rule Three Point Two F: Illegal, Irresponsible, or Immoderate Consumption. Um, dated March 2019. Um, I was unhappy. Sorry, I was unhappy about the use of illegal in there. Okay. I mean, if they'd started off with irresponsible or immoderate, but you're already saying it's illegal. Well, well, no. Let's come on to that because it does break it down. Because I've, I've I've read this a couple yeah, of times. But I'm just thinking as a title. I. I don't imagine many of their titles are particularly sexy. In, in oh, terms. not particularly sexy. I just think start. I mean, I mean, the first word is illegal. I mean, this is rule three point two F. There must be many rules before this one. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know what wonderful <laughs> titles they have. As, as, as I'm not sure I do one of those. Go on, well. come on. Here's um, a few key facts. Okay, so uh, and bear with us here because this is a lot of um, essentially reading from the the, the, the document. So. First of all, it's, it's important to understand the application of the rule. So, Code Paragraph 3.2F requires that a drink's naming, packaging or promotional material or activity does not in any direct or indirect way encourage illegal, irresponsible or immoderate consumption, such as drink driving, binge drinking or drunkenness. Therefore, th- therefore there are three elements ways in which this rule can be breached, which would also offer... Um, which will also differ depending on the medium, packaging or promotional activity. So, so what they're saying is, is that they're looking at a number of things here and is it encouraged by the vessel in which it appears in. So it's, it's split into to three main headings. You've got immoderate consumption. You've then got um, irresponsible consumption. And then you've got illegal consumption. Um, so those those are the three headlines which make up the title that I had a problem with. Okay, yeah. Carib, yeah. And underneath that, there's there, there's various passages about context, which is obviously quite important to to understand. So firstly, you've got in the context of drinks packaging, the advisory service recommends that containers which are typically single serve and whose contents are typically consumed by one person in one sitting should not contain more than four units. And they backed this up with um, research that was commissioned in 2014, again by YouGov, to understand whether packaging and contents influence consumer consumption behaviour. The results showed that 80% of adults polled believed that a 500ml can of beer or cider was designed for the contents to be consumed by one person in one sitting. The results also showed that 61% of those polled shared the contents of a 750ml bottle of wine, whereas only 46% of them polled would share the contents of the same size bottle if it contained beer. So what what do we think about that statement in particular? I think there's, some, there's assumptions being made there, isn't there, really? You know, basically we've gone straight for... It is the, it's the beer thing which is causing the problem because, you know... They're, they're, they're homing in, and again, I think this is where a lot of people have had a problem with, they're homing in on the type of beers which aren't produced by the people who are uh, sponsored the Portman Group. Yes, yeah. A lot, a lot of people, and we'll, we'll come on to it in the comments, a lot of people are saying this is targeting and that's how, that's, craft, and that's, independent And that's breweries. really how, how it felt to me as yeah. well. And this, this page particularly was sort of 
almost saying there. And again, when they when they go into further bits and pieces, well, like with the gin and the wine and stuff, it's like assumption. So straight away, because they picture maybe someone having a can of one pound high strength cider, or even as we've you know been mentioned before when we've done opinions of film, we've tried recently uh, gold label and special brew and tenants. Yeah. Um, people might have that in their heads and that's that's their 500s aren't they yeah there or thereabouts um, so people are maybe thinking about those rather than maybe one of the you know one of the beers we're going to try shortly so that which comes in a a 500 milliliter mm-hmm. so yeah not I wasn't entirely comfortable with that okay while we're on the subject of 500 mil cans uh, it says whilst research tested the single serve theory with cans of a maximum size of 500 mil and previous panel decisions have been about 500 mil cans it is the opinion of the advisory service that pint sized cans and bottles 568 mil would also be regarded as single serve containers further supported by the fact that the pint is the largest typical serve for draft beer or cider available in the on trade so they're saying we're actually they're actually extending that well I think that would go I mean we pint is a known quantity in the UK yeah 568 millilitres is the pint whether that be a pint of milk or a pint of beer it's 568 millilitres so we know what a pint is so I think that that would be perfectly natural obviously the 500 millilitre bottle that's what a lot of special releases come out in yeah well and and bigger yeah I mean the fullers are all 500s apart from yeah. the, Ameri- the ones which used to go to America and they used to be 550s didn't they I think oh, I never knew that yeah uh, having more than four units in a single serve container will not automatically result in a product being found in breach of the code, but it's the view of the advisory, advisory service that the panel is likely to take other factors into account. Uh, these other factors include things along the lines of whether the container contained a share message or per serve recommendation, could the container be resealed, um, whether the producer was able to demonstrate if it's going to be shared. And, and, and sorts of things along those sorts of lines. It then goes on to make a um, comparison to um, a previous complaint against uh, Old English Gin, which was sold in 750ml bottle with cork and wax seal. The panel noted that the bottle was designed to be resealed with the cork. It would also be possible for consumers to use a wine bottle stopper to reseal a bottle of wine. Uh, panel was of, of the view that because the bottle contained a spirits that are unlikely to which is unlikely to, to, de- to deteriorate quickly and thereby encourage consumers to consume the contents in more quickly than they otherwise would have done. So basically what they're saying is that some drinks lend themselves to, once you've opened them, you can leave them open, you can go back to them over a period yeah. of time, whereas others can't necessarily. Yeah, I've got no... I've got no I mean, that bit, is, that's common, that bit is actually the first bit of common sense that's appeared yeah. so far. So, so that, was, that, that was part A. Part B... Um, again under the heading of immoderate consumption is in the context of terminology words and phrases Uh, key thing here is uh, words or phrases which might be seen as describing the effect of excessive consumption for example wasted or smashed would be problematic under the code on packaging and or in promotions and should be avoided as should words which refer to a lengthy period of consumption, for example, having a session. So this raises the question over the term session IPA, mm-hmm. which is a commonly used descriptor, mostly to denote a lower than average IPA, um, but also used in the same way to describe a beer or lager that is comparatively lower in strength. The term has now therefore passed into common parlance and widely understood by consumers to convey a comparatively lower strength product. However, 
It's not a legal definition as recognised in UK regulations and therefore producers should still exercise caution when describing their product as a session product. I mean, I can't imagine there's going to be anyone throwing the words wasted and smashed out here, there and everywhere. I mean, have we got to stop referring to things as smashable? Well, that's what I thought, but they haven't actually said smashable on there, have they? No, uh, I don't know if this extends to podcasts. Podcast, well, I don't know. Or, 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 or not. But, you know, the word session, I mean, you know, I don't take I, I don't take a automatic event just because it says session IPI. I should be drinking twelve of them or something. But no. <sighs> yeah, carry on. <laughs> okay. Uh, point C is all to do with in um, on trade drinks promotions, which is um, stuff that's largely buy one get one free. Those sorts of offers. Um, not going to go into a lot of detail on that because that's not not really our thing. That's not our specialist area. Well, um, you say that, so but I mean, speak. you know, the buy one, get one free deals, that the only people they apply to are the big brewers. Yeah. So when you see them in the summer when they're talking about the barbecues or during the World Cup and, you know, free, free boxes of eight for 20, for 20 quid, that kind of stuff, that isn't done by small, smaller independent operators. That is only done by the big boys because they're the only ones who can afford to do it. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose you could bring into that as well, you know. You often see in Tesco that they're doing what is it? It's generally three for five pound twenty-five or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and most it? of the supermarkets do an offer of similar ilk. Yeah, as they do the four for six quid. Uh, Co-op do something. They all do some sort of offer like that. But but a lot of the time, the really the really big offers where you can buy like your slabs of twenty-four or boxes of sixteen, whatever, tends to be macro because they're the only ones who package in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, point two, irresponsible consumption. Um, so this is very much uh, looking at uh, drinks containers carrying health warnings. Um, so things about the pregnancy warning logo um, and making sure that they're carrying the appropriate logos on them. Um, and then point three, which is the point that you had the issue with uh, around illegal consumption, uh, it goes on to say there are only a few scenarios when consuming alcohol is actually illegal. For example, uh, driving whilst, whilst over the alcohol limit or for an unaccompanied 18, under 18 to drink alcohol in a licensed premises. So it's also extending to that. It then does go on to a fourth point, which is about low and now up no alcohol products, which I think is quite interesting, especially as, as we're seeing more of these mm-hmm. now. Um, low alcohol products... Um, products above 0.5% ABV but not exceeding 1.2% ABV should not be presented in a way that suggests they can be consumed in situations where alcohol consumption would otherwise be unwise. For example, operating machinery or driving. Uh, the code does not apply to drinks of 0.5% ABV or below. So that's basically a bit of a summary of the report it's quite a hefty report uh, mm-hmm. it's a good nine pages um, there is a link to it in the show notes should people want to read it and digest it themselves as we said on the last show uh, almost the immediately after that was released um, Ciba, um put out a statement saying that they were opposed to the, the, yeah, new, they didn't the wait, new they, guidelines they didn't hang around no, and, and they did put out a really useful table that shows kind of the different size containers, uh, what would constitute four units and, and the ABV that would constitute four units and whether or not it sits within the scope of 
the the, the, the new yeah. guidance as as well. So, for example, they're saying here a three thirty mil can it would have to be twelve point one percent to hit four units, which don't really see too many of those around. Although I did have one last night. Um, and you are showing me another one, which is Marbles Barley Wine from this year, which is 12.4%. So, um, Whereas I'm quite happy it's in a 330 because I feel like if I do, don't want to share it, I'm not going to have to hammer a 660 or a 500. Yeah, yeah, ab- ab- <laughs> absolutely. And, and again, we'll come on to that because those, that, those, that, those exact points have been made. Um, one final thing to point out before we go on to our, uh, our listeners' views in, in opinions. Um, Steve at Beer Nouveau has been quite vocal uh, uh, about this new guidance. Um, very much tweeting his thoughts uh, when the guidance was originally originally released. Yeah, it was a stream of consciousness in, from in Steve. In quite some detail. Yeah, some great, I, I've printed it off on, on A4. It comes to about... Uh, eight or nine sides yeah I mean it's something that he's really passionate about oh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Let, let's say that but th- this particular stream that I picked up from him he, now he went to um, a training session which I think again was at the Ciber uh, X event um, so he and basically said now I've had a bit of time uh, this was one of the more important clarification slides from today's panel with the Portman Group. Whether it's beer, wine, cider or spirits, it doesn't matter with the proposed changes. It's not one rule for beer and another for, for wine. And it's it's showing the difference between... Uh, it's a picture showing the difference between single-serve containers and sharing containers. He then goes on to say, the other thing to note is container sizes. Anything above a pint is seen as a sharing container. Quick issue here, however, is the potential of encouraging people to drink more, not less. A 440ml can of a 12% beer would be considered a single-serve container and at 5.28 units wouldn't be allowed. However, the same beer in a 660ml bottle would be considered as a sharer, yet contains 7.92 units. If both of these were bought for two people to share, the first would see them each consuming 2.64 units, the second 3.92, driving up the amount of alcohol consumed, not reducing it. Zebra are doing good work with Portman Group, but there do still appear to be issues surrounding this addition to the code. There's a lot to take in, um, but I think we should uh, hear from our listeners first of all. Just finishing my cloud war. Um, and final thoughts i still not getting anything that you described I'm still not getting anything that you described right okay on, on, on it I'm they put two batches of beer in one can <laughs> yeah I uh, I don't know that's probably the one that's so far has been furthest away from being on style for me mm, interesting so I thought it was closer on style than the Brew York okay yeah well, that's, that's good that we're not necessarily aligned no no I'm happy with that so um, before we do tuck into everything from our from our, our listeners um, I have opened up a bottle of not black IPA no so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit because I do want to hear some of the stuff from our listeners so this is from North Riding it's their India Porter again some C uh, hops being used here some Centennial and Columbus uh, traditional five 500 milliliter bottle 
Um, so far, everything I've had, certainly from North Riding, I've enjoyed it, as has Michelle. And this is a collaboration with Elusive yep. Brewing, um, which was done for last year's Salford Beer Festival. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's probably fair to say at this point that Andy is is very much one of the uh, people that are strongly behind the Bipper Comeback um, <laughs> movement that, that's currently taking yes, place. Yes, he, he has been uh, pretty much as vocal as you have, Steve. <laughs> to, to, to point another thing. Right, well... So, I'll, I'll start reading. I'll start reading a few of the comments. You, you've had a bit of a. You need yeah, a rest. I, I need. I need to. Uh, yeah. Water my water my palate a little bit. So, from Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers, bad news. Whilst I appreciate the need for balance, I'm a real life growing up, and I can judge when and how much I drink. Be that three percent table beers or eleven percent triple IPAs, because no one ever has more than four units from a bottle of wine. I assume that's a sarcastic yes, ironic I, I think comment so. sometimes hard to hard to read it um ultimately won't change what i drink but will make it more costly and less convenient now what do you think about that point because i mean i think his thing about being the real i mean this comes down to the almost nanny state kind of thing isn't it yeah um i mean there were a few similar comments of, of people saying i'm an adult and i can make my own choices and i don't i don't like having that choice taken away from me mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's I, th- I think it's a good point. I, I think um, you, you will make your decisions based on not necessarily always the ABV of a beer. You, you know, sometimes no, I, I will go for a beer on you know tasting notes alone and then worry about the ABV. Oh, yeah, well, well, I, I, because um, the India Porter going back to Beer Adventures is the beer I tried recently, and I'm fairly certain when Michelle ordered this from Beer Central. It's because it was North Riding and it was India Porter when tried it. I think the six point seven percent was buy to buy. Yeah, you don't you don't you don't buy beers based on their ABV. No, and North Riding actually, this is probably quite high for them for the beers I've experienced before. Yeah, they're generally in that four to five marker. Um, yeah, interesting. Won't change what I drink, but will make it more costly and less convenient. I think there's been a few other similar comments on that. Yeah. that as well. So from um, Sean O'Reilly at Uncrudier, I'm finding this one really hard to vote on. For me personally, a large bottle or can of a big beer is not ideal as I rarely have people to share with. But I can see the risk of this being the thin edge of the wedge that could lead to controls on the ABV of beer. It, it could be the case. Yeah. Um, it, could, it could be that first step in saying you, you can only produce beer to this ABV. Yeah, and I think that's where we... I think that's where we... I think we'd go from 93 to 100 then. Yeah, <laughs> um, Right. So more than one tweet coming up <laughs> from John at Beer in the Suburb. I'm going to be controversial and choose good, although I can clearly see some very bad points. My reasons. One, the changes about discriminatory, I said that badly, uh, branding are very welcome and long overdue. Okay. Repackaging sizes. Hardly anyone puts big beer in 330s these days, which I think is an ideal size for a big impy stout or triple IPA. I can rarely justify opening a 500 750 by myself. 330s are more affordable too. That said, I do not like how these guidelines are enforced. There is definitely a time and place for big beer in a big can or bottle. And I think treating wine and beer differently is completely unjustifiable. Um, I think point one, I mean, obviously, I, I think that was part of the wider Portland yeah. guidelines that have been released. 
Um, and I think we'd all agree that anything which is discriminatory, said it badly twice now, um, is that I think most people support it anyway. I mean, you know, if that was the question asked, I think we'd have 100% on that one. Um, but that, you know, we, we were focusing purely about the the packaging ABV type of discussion anyway. Um, I, will, I will say something, what he said here about, um, I think, you know, we've said it and I've seen it a few times recently where it would be nice sometimes for those big beers not to automatically come out in 500s. Yeah. But again, I would have preferred if that 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 kind of thing was swayed because of the brewers thinking maybe we need to change it or the consumers going, look, I'm not going to carry on buying your 500s because it really is too much for me. I'm not going to drink it in one sitting rather than this enforced process which we seem to be going through now. And also, there are people who do want to have that 500 to themselves. It might be their one beer for the whole night and they might take an hour and a half drinking it and now they're going to crack open two cans which come to 660. But we we did say this on last year's um, Unhuman Cannibal releases yep. that do they do they really need to be in five hundred mil cans? I didn't think so. I mean, and I'd be quite happy with a three thirty mil of Unhuman Cannibal. Well, it would have stopped us going off the rails. Well, by the sounds, not just us, yeah, all, yeah. all the other podcasts <laughs> that did Cannibal Run episodes as well. That's true. That's true. So again, so very good points. So thank you, John, for that for taking the time to write three separate points I, I just want to want to essentially just agree with what you've said there and what John said there is is, is that you know I was um, I, I thought Marble needed to be applauded last year when, when they released their annual release uh, Imperial Stout and Barley Wines in 330ml cans yeah. instead of the 440s that they'd released the year before because like I said I mean our situation is slightly different. You will in you will generally share a beer with Michelle, mm-hmm. where, where generally I'm going to be drinking the, the beer on my own, and and sometimes a four forty mil barley wine is just too much. Yes, yeah, it and is. Whereas a, a three thirty mil can is much more manageable. I mean, last night I drank the, um, the, the the Beaver Town birthday collab that they did with Wonder Beyond. Yep. Um, Gluttony, mm-hmm. which is a 15% barley wine. It's in a 330ml can. It took me most of the evening to drink it. Well, imagine how long it would take if that had been a 440 or a 500. Exactly. And, and I, I think sometimes, I think that's just a little bit of common sense, I think, in, in terms of the the, the the size of the cans that, that the beer's being put out in. I agree. Uh, before we carry on, we've, we've got this beer resting. Cheers. So... Oh, see that, that that's that's the nose that I look for in, on on a black IPA. Yeah. Although this is an India Porter, which I think you've got a little bit of background for us, but we'll carry on with, with the comments. So, from Mark at Kelfire, terrible for the consumer. I share a lot of four forty milliliter cans, two hundred twenty milliliter, good size for moderate shared consumption at home or in a bar of a friend. And again, I wouldn't disagree that it's a good share size sometimes it's just too much at the big size for single but again that's just me personally and i don't see why the option shouldn't be taken away well, i don't see why the option should be taken away yeah uh, i think that's the thing isn't it from um webden beer monster that barley wine is life <laughs> <laughs> i'd rather every beer was packaged in the 330s but that's a personal choice and i know i'm in the minority this move is bad for consumer choice, but worse for the producers who incur higher costs in packaging the beers, which echoes one of the earlier comments as well about 
the, the cost as well. What do you think of the Indy Porter? It's lovely. Delicious, isn't it? Yeah. Really nice. I mean, nice. that is... I know it's it, called it's Indy almost, Porter. It's almost more black IPA than the three black IPAs that we've had so far. Definitely. It's... Um, I think we're aligned on that one. It's light... It's it's got some some early citrus notes going on. Yeah, there's 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 a little hit of pine and some slight resinous characteristics going on in the middle, and and then it finishes with this lovely balanced bitter finish to it. But it has got the look. I mean, that the creamy head is a slightly darker colour than some of the other creamy heads. I mean, again, this is and it's black. Yeah, again, you can't see through this one, and you still get that fruit. That, that piney resinous you're talking about just hangs at the end as well nice bit of dryness off the back of that that's really good oh, that is lovely that's that's although they've called it an India Porter that may be a very deliberate thing that they've done um, definitely enjoying that one yeah um, so John Moore at the Beer Idiot says uh, not giving choice is always bad for the consumer people like choice if the Portman Group really are really concerned about the amount of people that are drinking they should invest more to educate not penalise brewers who are just trying to produce quality beer it's an interesting statement about the education side of things yeah um, and it comes back to one of the points that had been made previously during this and will be made again if you do have a particularly bad problem perhaps with your alcohol consumption there's a good chance you aren't buying 440 and 500 milliliter cans of barley wines and triple IPAs from independent craft brewers in the first place yeah I'm not saying it's impossible and I'm not saying you know I'm talking about the extreme versions here which people may have in their head those are the unlikely beers to buy well, just to back up that point, the Mad Brewer at the Mad Brewery said um, 10% 500ml bottles of Imperial Stout for £9 is contributing to alcohol abuse more than an 8% 500ml can of Special Brew for £2? Question mark. What absolute nonsense. Yeah, and, I think the, and also some of these beers aren't actually easy to get hold of. Even for people who know how to get hold of them, where yep. to get hold of them. And I just want that beer. I might not be thinking about drinking it straight away. Sometimes you still can't get hold of the damn thing anyway. So, I mean, if you did have a craving, <laughs> you'd be a while getting hold of it, wouldn't you? To satisfy yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that one. Uh, and then from Tom Bolland at Boozy Tom, those are some superb points, especially about discriminatory branding. However, I feel the package size restrictions is something you would appreciate while others maybe wouldn't. I can't get behind rules that give the customers less choice. This kept and uh, a lot of this the kept from coming back came, to this, yeah. didn't it? Um, but people so for me, don't like having their choice taken away from no. them. No, even though for some of these things we made, we and other people said, "Oh, we prefer three thirties. But actually, just getting rid of the choice, I don't feel I, that doesn't make it very comfortable. No, you know, not when you can even forgetting about the you know the the rules are the same. Wine generally comes in a 750 bottle, so immediately that goes under the uh, sharer, doesn't it? Under these new guidelines, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I have shared a bottle of wine, but it might be a bit of an uneven share, and it probably still doesn't last into day two, just because <laughs> it's got a, a, a screw top on it. So again, on the consumer choice point, the Hopspot podcast at Hopspot UK. It's the consumer's choice at the end of the day. 
breweries shouldn't be dictated to. They know their market and they know what their consumers enjoy. If we have a problem as consumers and how much we drink, the fault lies solely with us, not with how we receive the alcohol, because at the end of the day, we could always buy two or more of them if our sole point was the ABV and getting drunk. Also, there's a world of spirits and wines available with a far higher alcohol content, so craft beer is likely not to, um, not to the lush's chosen weapon of choice. Which is sort of what I said, but the thing which that made me think about is that, yes, you could then buy two of them, but that's a bit like um, if you go to buy ibuprofen, paracetamol, cocodamil, you can only buy in one shop they limit you to the amount you can buy yeah, yeah they will stop you so if you wanted to buy a couple of packets of paracetamol nurofen you know not for consumption it's just that the whole household has run out you've got to go and buy you cannot buy you can only go over a certain amount so does this mean we're we're a few steps away from then i go online to do my order it happens to be a bit of a one of the big orders the big beers and it says i'm sorry mr oaks you've reached your limit you've had four you cannot order a fifth big impy stout. That is that a step that might happen, you know? Because it'd have to happen in it'd have to happen in shops first. Yes, I mean I was just it? giving that as an example yeah. because uh, takeaway uh, supermarkets, it's independent shops or online retailers where you get the kind of beers which are talking about the packaging, which have the big ABVs in them. But yeah, like I said you can't buy two hundred milligram of ibuprofen or paracetamol too many of those before they say no you've bought enough for your personal consumption yeah could that happen with alcohol it's, I mean it raises a lot of questions doesn't it yeah it, it, it really does um, from our friends at Rhythm and Brews at Rhythm and Brews UK uh, not voting as the question is too binary for a complicated issue the intention is valid but the guidance and its, gui- and its guidance is arguably beyond the remit of Portman in simple terms, it restricts consumer choice, but the reality is few drinkers or offerings actually affected. Well, I think highlighted a, a common theme there about consumer choice. Um, reality is few drinks or offerings actually affected. Um, no, but most independent breweries do a big release these days. Yeah, whether it's a, an annual release or seasonal release Or limited in some kind, yeah. you know. They do exist, um, and some of them have made their some of their initial names have come off the back of that. I mean, certainly for me, Cloudwater definitely came into my consciousness a bit more with the dippers, and again, they were probably just about the right size with the right ABV. But it was those kind of beers which caught my caught my eye, and I think that's the same for a few breweries. Sometimes the flagship beer is the one which catches your eye, and then you start searching through the rest of them. Um, use the word binary. I didn't know they had that in them. No, I didn't. That's that's got to have been that's Andrew, Andrew, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's no way that's Luke. Yeah, we're, we're, that. we're giving that to Andrew, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys. <laughs> uh, the bearded one at the bearded one. Uh, good for consumer, bad for people that package alcohol. Very brief, without giving the context of why you thought it was good for the consumer. Because everyone else, most people have said bad so far for the consumer, and only a few people have said for the package alcohol bit. I mean, maybe he's coming at it from the point of view of sort of. The, the, the health and well-being point of view of it, it's good if it's restricting yeah your that's, but you're only restricting the intake if you're stopping them buying it in volume then so going back to one of Steve's points from being Nouveau he said well you've got a certain amount of units in a certain size but if you then buy two of them or go up to the 660 you are actually having more units yeah same thing 
So the only way to truly then restrict your consumption is to actually restrict the amount of high volume beers you can buy in one sitting or one standing or one shop, whatever it might be, and you get to a limit. That for me would be my bigger my biggest concern, which hadn't really occurred to me till the Hop Spot podcast when I was thinking about oh yeah, tablets and stuff. Yeah. So I'm hoping I'm wrong. Um and yeah. Anything which ad- I think anything that's good to advise consumers is good. That's why we have health warnings on drinks about pregnancy. We have health warnings on cigarettes. I don't. I don't see a problem with health warnings, but you know, just taking it all away. You know, you can you can still buy cigarettes. They're yeah. just behind. They're just hidden. Yeah, people will still buy it if they they want to buy yeah. it. Um, and then just a final point on this one uh, from a brewery. So Pope's Yard Brewery at Pope's Yard. Uh, no, the new rules would ban our strongest beers in our current 330ml bottles as they'd make us package them in 660 or 750ml bottles. It's back to front. Agreed. Agreed. I, now that we have read it a bit more and you know, thank you very much for going through the, you know, the pertinent points there, Steve. Um, I said I problem with the word illegal in there straight away because... That was such a small part of it, you know. Generally, people don't advertise their alcohol to, to be consumed illegally, either by under-18s or by someone who's about to drive a car. Um, guidelines, yes, but guidelines that are effectively telling smaller, more independent breweries what they can and can't sell and package just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit comfortably, does it? No, not in a, an environment where we're supposed to be market led and the the free market and the economy in that respect. You know, if someone then comes with a valid complaint, then maybe you can look at it and maybe they they see this as a way of avoiding that. Well, I think you're probably just giving ammunition for people who want to make a complaint. Yeah, I think uh, again, it's one of these things where the the, the intention is right. The execution is wrong. Or at best, poor. Yeah. And I think one of the very early points that... Um, because, because as we said early on, Steve at Beer Nouveau has been quite vocal about this. Yep. One of the points that, that he made early on was that it seems that this entire guidance is based on a YouGov survey from five years ago about consumers' attitudes essentially towards beer packaging yeah and so straight away you're start you're starting off from a skewed starting point yeah because like I said, people's ideas of 500 milliliter vessels would in my head be things like your special brewing your tenants and stuff i'm not saying but that's what they were designed for and i'm not saying that's what they are designed for but that's what people may have in their heads and that's not what we're talking about now no we're talking about these beers are actually even the beers we're drinking tonight, in the great scheme of things, they're actually fairly limited availability. Uh, yeah, yeah. So none of these have hit the mark. So just to be clear, none of these have hit the mark, but they're quite limited avail- availability. So again, it's not like I can rock up to corner shop, supermarket, and just buy some of these beers to drink in moderately. And sometimes they're limited release, so it's actually impossible to buy yeah. more than one. But... Again, going back to that point that the data is from five years ago. If 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 I if I look back five years, 
I, I was only really at the start of my well, beer journey. Strange you should say ago. that. Some people, some list, current listeners have been going back on your beer yeah, journey. That they have. And if they've been dipping into your 2014, 2013 slash 2014 beer journey, not only were the beers you were sampling on the show vastly different to what they are now, your thoughts about them, but the availability of the beers you were trying on the show yeah. were different. You know, I mean, some of the beers now, we, we spoke about the blueberry waffle from Yeasty Boys a while ago when we were doing the flavours. Yeah. Not even two years ago was I thinking that beer would exist. No, you, you, can get, you can get that in Tesco's, yeah. 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 So, you know, the world has moved on quite considerably. I mean, 2014, there was lots of things I weren't thinking about. 2014, in terms of innovation, which is what we're talking about here, let's face it, we're talking about innovation in the beer world versus maybe innovation in technology. But the two go quite nicely together because innovation in technology, five years ago, things have moved on from that. And so, yeah, I mean, that was a damning, I think that was a damning indictment. It's taken you five years to come up with some yeah. guidelines based on a survey of only 2,000 people from five years ago. It, it should have been, it should have been repeated. The, 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 the survey should have been, it, it, it should have been built on more current data yes. than, than using you data know, from we, five we, years we, ago. I, I feel like we tried to give them, a, we, we, I think we gave them quite a good hearing last year when we went to speak to them. We did. Yeah. And I found, the, I found the guy heading up the Portland group quite personable. Um, and it's not a position I'd necessarily want to take on, but this definitely feels like it's targeting the wrong type of consumer via the wrong type of medium. Yeah, agreed. And on that note, um, you're really enjoying that India I've portal. Just, I've there, just drained the India yeah. portal while yeah. that last. I said um, I said that last bit. I went. I'm finishing that beer. Let's let's just bring it back to the beer then for a second. So we we have. Um, both really enjoyed this India Porter. Yep. I, I, th- I think... So uh, you, you've got some information? I, I'm going to put some words in your mouth right now. Um, so far for me, this has been the, the best of the beers that we've tried tonight. Agreed. It's, it's head and shoulders above the, the, the rest in terms of what it's doing for me. Now, obviously this isn't a black IPA and generally we're, we're, we're doing black IPAs tonight. Um, but... I've always thought that the India Porter is, is is almost like a a relation to the Black IPA because I've I've got, I've got to say when I've tried India Porters before they've always felt like they're quite they've got hoppy characteristics yeah yeah I'm with you on that and, and they're very yeah. very similar so I, I went to um, the font of all knowledge um, Steve uh, at Beer Nouveau uh, to ask this question because he has been doing as as we've said before quite a lot of work around. Um, understanding how beer used to be brewed and heritage roofs and those sorts of things. And I, and, and I basically said to Steve, um, is there any difference between an India Porter and a Black IPA? Uh, and this is what he came back with. So technically they're totally different styles of beer. However, there is a theory linking them. An East India Porter was a style of beer that was brewed a lot in the mid to late 1800s. It's a standard porter malt base for its time, pale sugars, strength, black and amber malts to give it its colour and roasted flavours. They were also hopped a lot. They'd be put into wooden barrels, left for six months in the brewery yard to see if the brett was taken off, then shipped over to India for the troops to drink. By that time, 12 months after brewing, a lot of the hoppiness would have died down, leaving a bitter orange pith aroma due to the sheer amount of hops used, meaning it isomerized the oils as well as the acids 
to the balance balance the roasted malts. That's a word I've never heard before. No. Um, a black IPA is basically a modern IPA, all pale malts, lots of aroma hops that fade fast. To give it its colour though, when sparging the grain, some black malt is added purely to get the colour from it and as little roast toast flavours as possible. Uh, a heritage IPA has all bittering hops, no aroma hops. A heritage India Porter has all bittering hops, no aroma hops. A modern IPA, all those bittering hops are moved to be aroma hops. A black IPA has no bittering hops, all aroma hops. So a black IPA can be said to be the modern equivalent of an East India Porter, except that black IPAs don't have the malty, roasty toast flavours. Bit of an interesting factoid, East India Porter also outsold East India Palau. Surprised at that bit. Yeah. So there's, there, there is a tentative theory so there, linking the, there linking a, the there two. There is a link between them. Yeah. I mean, this one hasn't been called East India Porter, it's just been called India so Porter. just in India. Um, but, so forgetting about the name of it, I reckon uh, the beers we've had so far... If that had been a blind taste, just on the on the aroma and the flavour, forgetting about the colour, I would have said that was my in my head. That's my style. Yeah. And then even taking that away, it has been genuinely the nicest beer of the evening so far. Just, just in, I mean, in terms of drinkability, that that's just so well balanced. Every, every element of that is is perfectly balanced. Yeah. Um, well. I'm a big fan of North Riding Brewery. I mean, they they got mentioned to my Golden Pints last year. Um, we're both huge fans of Andy and Lucif Brew. Yeah. And they've come together, and I hope they carry on making this one, or one of them does, because it's bloody tasty. It's and really tasty. in no shape or form did I think that was 6.7%. Oh no, that's 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 the one thing with that. That really hid its ABV yeah. well. None of them have been particularly, felt particularly big. Well, they're not. They're all within a within a range, aren't they? We're we're, we're basically around the six yeah. percent mark. But these. this, I would never have pitched this at the six point seven. Yeah. So we are now moving to a beer which is nailing its colours to the mask. I mean, yeah, it's it's not hiding what it is. No, is it? this it's, is fierce and noble black IPA. So this is the last of the fierce and noble beers that they very kindly sent to us. The rest were on the uh, the previous show with uh, our stand-up comedian James. Yep. We, we held this one back for tonight because we knew we were going to do a bit of a feature on black IPAs. So just while you're pouring that, we'll just say, um, obviously, um, just I suppose to finish off the opinions discussion, um, as always, we're open to, 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 to people's continuing views on, on, on the subject. Um, and uh, if you want to see all of the comments to, to, to the poll um, the polls are always linked through in the show notes you can click on the original question and you can read the comments underneath so um, make sure that you continue sharing your thoughts with us use the hashtag opinions and you may very well appear in this next part of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down before we get into this let's try the beer Okay, that sounds like a good plan. Cheers. I'm getting more of a roasty aroma. It's a very different nose, isn't it? Yeah. I'm getting dry and bitterness up front on this one. I'm getting dry and bitterness. I'm getting a little bit of roastiness on the finish. I'm, I'm going to put this out there. 
instant reaction. If I was doing that blind, I'd call Porter on that. At the moment, I would be with you on that one. It may be a few more sips we need after the last beer as well. Yeah. Because also we had some water and that adds to your impression of bitterness as well, doesn't it, when you have the beer? Yeah. So it's got a little bit of time to settle down, but at the moment my first thoughts are fairly fairly similar to yours, Steve. Yeah. Let's see, see where we go with that. So some of the comments that we've had um, since the last show. Uh, first up from SE18 Craft Beer Lovers at SE18CBL. Getting ready for the Beer O'Clock Show. Bipper Special with Buxton Brewery Black Rocks. Um, great that people were preempting what we were doing tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite impressed with that. <laughs> um, and on, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in in that area. We had a very late comment come in this evening, so it wasn't it wasn't on the show notes. But um, knowing that we were doing um, uh, a Bipper special this evening, um, former number one fan. Um, and bidding to be number one fan again uh, Miles Lambert asked the question um, what's the first black IPA you remember having that knocked your socks off now there's been quite a few responses to that on, on Twitter this evening um, but I'm interested on, on, on what ours are um, well I see I made, a bit of a, I made a bit of a stab in the dark wrongly about what yours was yeah so you went for I thought it would be Magic Rock 8 Ball no it wasn't so what was the first black IPA uh, that stuck, sticks in your It's your a beer name? that's changed its name slightly since I originally had it, but it's Thornbridge Wild Raven. That was my first black IPA, now simply known as Raven. Oh, that appeared on one of the old shows as well, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was whoa, right early on. It was like episode seven or eight of the Beer O'Clock Show. Pardon me. I can't remember. I'm surprised I went back that far. It was properly early doors. Um, I mean, that is a good shout, to be fair. That is a good shout. Um... Actually, my one has just been mentioned um, from SE18 Craft Beer Lovers. The first bipper um, that really sticks in my mind is Buxton Brewery Black Rocks. Um, not so, saying, unless I order it online, not saying I see, but it was definitely one that sticks in my mind. I think the first time I had that was back in December 2013 or something. So, yeah. No, it's... Uh, Miles, could you ask the question a little bit more time before? Yeah, it gives gives a bit more time to pre- prepare for it. Just, just again, great question though. Just while we're here, because obviously you, you know the, the the underlying theme of the show this this week has been the black IPO. Mm-hmm. What what is it about this style for for, for you that, that 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 makes it kind of a stand out, search out, seek out sort of style of beer? Well. I do, I hop forward, if we're talking, yeah, so pale beers and West Coast IPAs and cast beers, I'll go for the paler to start off with. Plenty of time for obviously the more traditional brown beers and stuff, but I do like a nice dark beer every now and again, and for me, the black IPA just, for me, falls in a bit of a sweet spot when done right. It ticks a lot of boxes. And, you know, a couple of beers tonight I'd quite happily have more than one of so far. I think it just hits the market. I think sometimes for me, I go for a dark beer and it's going, oh, it's just too much roastiness or too much dark chocolate or too much milk chocolate. Sometimes I don't want that sweetness that comes with some of them. And obviously, the last couple of years we've had a proliferation of sweets, lactose, beers, haven't we? Whereas the black IPA doesn't have that kind of sweetness. The sweetness tends to come from some of those hop, hoppy notes. Yeah. So yeah, for me, that it, it sort of hits that just that sweet spot in the middle. What about you? 
I think it's it's kind of that fact that it's a it's a bit of a oh, I don't know what word is it is is it an oxymoron is is that what it is it's well yeah then that's uh, exactly it, how um, it's something that it's not exactly how Roger Potts described it to me once when I saw him about the black IPA he said well the clues in the title India Panel yeah um, I've always been kind of I suppose amazed that the that the skill that goes into making a beer that can can look one colour but taste like something else. Yeah, it messes with your head. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's where the skill really lies with black IPA. It's if you can if you can produce a black IPA, but actually if you drank blindfold, you'd, you'd think wasn't dark. That's where I think you've absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I think I think there is definitely a skill, and I know that obviously Steve gave us the description, and again, it's coming from Steve. Very, knows exactly what he's doing what he's talking about he made it sound quite simple but I think to hit that I do think it's got a, quite a fine line I yeah, think it's got it's, quite a fine it's margin it's an tightrope isn't it yeah. um, you know if we go back to the phrase of a bit of a Rizzler paper whereas I think other styles have more of a wide berth for them you can still say you're a, a New England IPA a Best Bitter a West Coast IPA and it's probably your lower end of the margin your higher end of the margin is probably a lot wider than a black IPA yeah you've got a, I think you've got a small window of opportunity yeah I, I, you know but speaking of the black IPA if here's another one um, it's growing on me this one there it's it's still on the side of Porter for, yes for, for me it's not really coming round um, it's, it's interesting though because I mean obviously we've you know jokingly go on about Bipper comeback and, and, and all the rest of it but did you know they were black IPAs were all the rage what two three years ago everyone was producing yeah. a, a black IPA and it it kind of stood the test of time a little bit more than maybe the brute IPA phenomenon did but they've gone away and they, they are starting to come back and we are we are seeing a bit of a resurgence in black IPAs again I think, think we're definitely seeing a resurgence in around that style again I mean the Brute IPA hello goodbye um, I mean the, the black and also the black IPA if we go back to um, Steve's earlier facts has quite a long tradition in some shape or shape or form so it's there I can see how this would have evolved from the India port yes definitely and so for that it's got 200 years of brewing behind it as opposed to something someone created 18 months or two years ago. So I don't reckon they'll ever go. I quite like the fact that there's quite a few people now giving it a bit of a comeback again and at the moment doing it well. Well, it's, it's, it's great to see that breweries still, that there are still a number of breweries that still have them in their core range. So Beaver Town still has Black, Black Betty. It's core range. I'm pretty sure Raven still appears every now. and It again. does every now and again with with, with Thornbridge. Sure, it does. Come on, Magic Rock. You you, you know you wanna. That's that's all I'm gonna say. We, we need yeah, to see. It, we yeah. need to see Magic Eight Ball again. You might be. That's all you're gonna say. But it's not the last time you're gonna say it. It's not. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, let's 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 dive into the rest of our our listener comments. Uh, John Moore at the beer idiot. Beer idiot. Good to hear some nice words about Derby in this week's episode. It is a great festival in the Roundhouse. Would def- definitely recommend it next year. 
So I, I think that's one that we said venue-wise would be... Sound of, I, I've always loved the sound of that venue when they yeah. used to hold the Great British Winterfair, Winterbeer Festival. So I'd, I'd be up for that at some point. It's just, yep. again, just finding the time. and Exactly, yeah. I need to basically take a year sabbatical and tick off all of them. And just do all the best beer in festivals one in one year. Yeah. Uh, Kevin McLean at KJO2MCL. Just listening to Opinions 81 regarding heads on beer. I worked in an Edinburgh pub as a student 20 years ago. Even if a local was halfway through their almost flat pint, being that way because they're taking a while to get through it, they could and would ask us to stick a head on that. The inference being that you'd refresh the pint by doing so. Cheekily, they'd always it, or they'd always also half expect you to add a fair bit more to their pint to make it last longer. I'd always expect a good head on my pint. And the head is part of the measure. I think that, that, there's a bit there that that was quite funny. I expect you to chop, not just give yeah. you the head, but top it just, up a little, bit, a little bit. Yeah. Um, funny on the um, going back to the beer factory that we spoke about earlier when they were doing that taste test stuff. Everyone preferred the beer with some head on it. Yep. And going back to my recent experience, the amount of times on Thursday that Rich made me put the pint back under the tap to put head on the beer, particularly with the lager pours. I was really bad at putting a head on the lager. Well, there's a little bit of skill to that, isn't there? Because yeah. the, 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 I think you probably have to work a bit more of that. There's yeah. a bit more of the slight rest, bring it upright maybe a bit of a swell so that you get a bit of a head on it so it still has that nice appearance and stuff but I mean if you go to the continent they literally just pour it straight in they're doing a lot less of that and if you end up with a three finger head on your 250 pour of Heineken they just swipe off the top they're not bothered about anything else yeah so be it the head, the head is yeah. definitely part part of the beer for a lot of people mm-hmm. and I'm slowly but surely because I've, again I've always lived down south there are definitely some beers which lend themselves to having the head for sure. I mean, can you imagine pouring a Guinness and not giving someone About a head? Yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. What? No, what? But no one what, would. What are you saying? But no one would ever complain about that. They would only complain if they didn't have the head on yeah. the Guinness. Yeah. You know, because we're down south, there's a whole thing about you should have the, the the measure up to the top and stuff. But there is something about a well poured beer, and I'm talking about any genre of beer with a nice the right amount of head the right amount yeah I mean I don't want it just bad I don't want it to load the head just because someone's pulled it badly or it's just not right yeah but without maybe a minimum of a tight tight one finger head for example it does look good that's how you'd paint that's how you'd draw it yeah um, Mark Johnson at Mark N. Johnson good pubs that I've seen do scroll something on the back of pump clips to aid staff you, usually the beer style, the location of the brewery and the price, i.e. the most common questions. I've seen basic tasting notes added too. It is easily done. And I don't understand why they don't. I was in a pub again recently where I said, oh, I'll have that beer. And so they walked along until they turned around the right pump clear. It was like, really? That can't mm. be the best way of doing it. And also, aren't you going to feel a bit of a fool? Yep. Victoria Inn, do they have it written on the back of the pump clips? Uh, the price and the beer and what beer it is. So the basic information you need. Yeah. Because if, if you're... As, as I learned last week, if you're stood that side of the bar and somebody says to you, I'll have a pint of, you actually don't know which one that is. Yeah, because they're just looking at a range. Yeah. And, and by the end of the evening, I knew which pump was ambassador because that was the one that a lot of people were going for. But if somebody said to me, oh, can I have a pint of, I'd, I'd li- I was literally saying to them, which one's that? Yeah. Because, and then I'd ask them to point. 
But then you look at the back and it's, it's got written on there. Here's the price. Yeah. Here's the ABV. And, and here's what beer it is. So that's... And you have got a blank space on, on the back know, of those pump clips. But that's always there, isn't it? So yeah. I don't understand. I mean, surely... I mean, the pump clips come from brewers. So why can't they send them with a sticker on? Exactly. They must send... Those yeah. must, must get sent out and collected and, and whatever. Put it on the damn clip. Yeah. And make, make it easier for bar staff. So if it, they're not having to say which one or turn it around. Because that must be one of the worst things is turning it around. And the way some uh, pump handles are probably isn't much room sometimes no to turn it around because they're, they're pretty big aren't yeah, they yeah and then yeah, they're yeah. trying to strain over the bar to see which one you put or you have to go that one yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, sure, point yeah no one wants that <laughs> so the next one has been I mean this is rumbling on for three shows now this, I know it's, it's like Vanilla Gate <laughs> which I didn't mention it <laughs> um, Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert just on the vanilla sweetness point and bear with me on the cake reference but buttercream, i.e. the common cake filling, is predominantly icing sugar and can be very sweet. But we add vanilla extract to kind of round that sweetness off. Right, so although we... So the lesson over the three various shows um, is basically that although we associate sweetness with vanilla, or you and I certainly did when we were talking about yep. it initially... Vanilla isn't sweet. Vanilla on its own is not sweet. Yeah. Okay, we know... We know, yeah. Can we stop? Can we stop with the vanilla <laughs> thing now? Because I'm just, I'm, I'm fed up with it. But we're not going to do a show on vanilla beers. No, That's not going to happen. Be, no, definitely not. Um, I, I wouldn't. I didn't know that. But I definitely know now. No, I'm, I'm educated now. <laughs> so, so thank you for everyone that's um, got involved in that particular discussion. Uh, Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia again. Another uh, mention. Uh, another mention. Uh, possibly taking the leader's yellow jersey the, 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 this evening after that. Uh, not sure what it says about me, but I'm listening to the original Beer O'Clock Show episodes from 2012. Interesting and amusing in equal parts. At Men Behaving Beer Badly Bit podcast. Uh, stick it here for seven years and you will be winning awards. Uh, he also went on to say it's great to discover that Dragon and Flagon is still going strong after discovering it on a seven-year-old Beer O'Clock Show podcast. Hope to be able to arrange a beer excursion to London sometime. And that's um, Vic Norman and his yeah. Dragon and Flagon pub tours that he does in London, which, which we did early on in the show. Uh, and then finally uh, this week, uh, Luan Brew at Luan Brew. I like, I like coconut. I love Tonka. Please stop having a pop at those who enjoy those flavours. If Uncrulier wants to drink Mongozo coconut, that's fine. I think cucumber is the devil's work, but I don't judge those who like it in beer. Just like to say on that, the point I want to make is I don't feel as though we've ever actually had a pop at people who like those flavours, apart from that one incident where we both had a bit of a dig at Sean for enjoying coconut. <laughs> but it's more of a dig at us. For not liking those flavours. Yeah, and but also... apologise to Lou if she feels that way that... Yeah, I, I hope that no one feels like we're judging. And I also hope people are usually taking it in the spirit that it's meant. Um, apart from sure with Mongoza. But that's only because we had such a bad experience when Clayton ordered it at the yeah, bottle show once. Yeah, that was horrific at, at the bottle <laughs> show. I mean, it was but like... it is noted and I would always try to, to avoid that happening anyway. Yeah. Um, but um, also uh, agree with you Lou on the cucumber and beer thing that is the devil's work it's, it's cucumber shouldn't be anywhere near beer so I'd definitely agree with that and then we have questions as well what's going on we do but let's um, let's get into our final beer right. before we get into now this now you're quite excited about this because one. this is the 
other end of the scale, I believe, from everything else we've tried this evening in terms of a black IPA. Yeah, so Wonder Beyond Brewing. So people might already be thinking this is going to be something a little bit different just yep. because it's Wonder Beyond. Called Bloom. So we start off with the word Imperial. Okay. Brilliant. Black. Always a good way to finish a show. Okay. It finishes in IPA. All a lot of the boxes ticked. However, the bit in between black and IPA says ice cream. And then it says with chocolate and strawberries. Oh, and it's 11%. Brilliant. So, final beer of the evening, Steve. This, it's the only way we, we could really finish this evening, I think. So, yes, obviously... Was on something ridiculous. Yes, and obviously this is uh, a beer with, with lactose in it, but anyone who's experienced some of the Wonder Beyond beers previously is probably unsurprised by... Yeah, I mean, that is thick coming out of that can. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just feels it, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, this, this is a beer that... Um, this is the second time it's been round now. Uh, and it came... This came very, very close to being my beer of the year last year. I remember you actually... Did you give it a bit of a name check? I, I think I did. If it wasn't for Heavy Lord being as amazing as it was, this this would have taken beer of the year. Okay, well... Cheers. Cheers. It's got a fantastic aroma. Oh my god, that, <laughs> that's 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 Neapolitan ice cream. Yeah, ramped up. So, what's the Northern Monk Neapolitan? About six percent. Yeah. This is another five percent on top of that. I mean, I mean, on the nose, the strawberry dominates. Oh yeah. You know what? It's not as thick as I thought it was going to no. be. It's light. It looked thicker when I was pouring it. But there is it. so much flavour that in there. Fruit going on is just bonkers. But it's it's all sweetness. It is sweetness. There is a slight dry finish to it. Yeah. Very slight. There's no, there's no bitterness to no, it. No, there's no bitterness. At, at all. It's a dry finish rather than a bitterness yeah. finish. Um, yeah. The strawberries are still dominating. Um, and you are now, because of the lactose as well, I'm starting to get in that ice cream feel to it as well. It's not vanilla though, is it? No. <laughs> no. No vanilla has been harmed in the making of Well, probably has. I mean, there might be vanilla in it yeah. to balance out the sweetness. Because oh. we've learned that. We've, we've learned that, haven't we? We've learned that's what vanilla does. Are we just going to say that for every beer to Absolutely. balance out the sweetness now? Yeah. Yeah, so let, let, let's do these questions. Questions, questions, fill my head. Uh, first up from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert. Should regional beer festivals A, aim at giving local audiences something different and serve up a load of out-of-town beers? Or B, aim at drawing beer tourists and serve the best of what the region has to offer? Basically, I think what he's asking there is, should um, regional beer festivals focus on regional beers? If... You have, uh, okay, my best example, when we went to the Manchester Beer and Cider Festival a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and I think we fairly much, for a lot of the beers we had that night, were, re were what we would class as in that region. Yep. If you've got a region that can supply so many good beers from so many good breweries, then yeah, go ahead and knock, knock it out of the park. If you live where we are, and it's a regional beer festival, you probably want to invite uh, a few people. Yeah, I want to see stuff from all over the place. I don't yeah. know. That's how, I would, I, yeah. how I'd pitch it. If you've got, if, if it, and let's say, if we're saying regional, there's a good chance we're, we're thinking maybe more of a camera, either type or inspired festival. If you've got it, do it. I mean, Pig's Ear, 
uh, in London, they definitely have a heavy focus on the London beers and then invite other ones in. But if you can do the whole shebang for locally, why not? We can't. We can't, no. In Essex. Yeah. So definitely invite other people. Yeah. Um, And then from current number one fan, Paul at UNRCD, do you ever look at the cans and bottles on offer in pubs and do you ever order them over the draft or keg options? Right, I'm going to ask you to answer this first. The reason I ask you that is because obviously you were in the Vic the other night. They have their five or six cast beers. Yep. They have their uh, free craft offerings and then they have their fridge. Now, what do you do? Um... I will always order draft or keg over going directly for the fridge. Same here. And mine is quite a practical reason. It's because I'm not prepared to pay the price that I'm going to be charged for cans or bottles in a pub that I know I can probably get elsewhere for cheaper. Um, I did, by and large, I agree with you. Um, I can't, like I said, I've said before, especially with cask, I can't replicate cask at home. So if I'm in a pub which is cask led, I want to try the cask beers. Even draft, having draft keg is different to having it out of bottle or can. And if a pub has got bottle or can, unless I've missed it and something I really want, then I probably won't go for it. I have had bottles and cans when I'm in a pub, but it's my last option. It's, it's my last resort. It's if I've got to the point where literally there's nothing else I want to try. But I'm still out. And, I've, and I'm still out. And I want something that I know is... I, I want something reliable. Yeah. I want an old... Or I haven't stopped Michelle before she's gone to the bar. <laughs> like she did when we were in Cafe Beermoth last year. We <laughs> came back with a load of bottles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, how did we pay for that? Mm. <laughs> we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Generally, I will always go for what's on draft or okay. Yeah. If I was in a bottle shop type of place, then obviously it's a little bit different. Yeah. But if I'm starting off as it being a pub, I'm going for what's on draft tap. Absolutely. Are we done? I think we're done. No. There's like another half show to go, surely. No, no, that's it. I think um, just to say if anybody has got any questions, just keep them coming. We love the questions. Questions, uh, questions are brilliant and the comments on Bitter and Lingen are brilliant. Whether they're good, bad and different, please yeah. keep them coming in. And if we do say anything which people aren't that fussed about what we say, we will always, we will still share it. Yeah. And, and you know, as uh, on that as well, if, you know, if, if you feel as though we've said something that has, has upset you, DMs are open. Feel free to DM us and, and we'll have a conversation with you. Yeah, um, because definitely. that's not our intention. We don't we don't ever say no. This is that. supposed to be fun. Yeah, it is fun. Always supposed fun. to be fun. It's 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 almost eleven o'clock on a Monday night and we're drinking an eleven percent bonkers black yeah, IPA. I never, I never thought that would happen. I no, no. Um, um, our final question: Bipper come back? Yes or no? I would say it's definitely it on its back, way. back, isn't it? Um, you know, this could be this could be the the Bipper comeback and lager. Yeah. Yeah. And Nagia had a bit of resurgence last year, but I think there's still more to come from it. And the range we've had tonight, right, first of all, this one to beyond does not do the black IPA thing. No, no, it, it doesn't. And it, and it is, as, as I said, it's the extreme end of oh, yeah. a black IPA scale. But it's a bloody amazing beer. 
at 11%. It definitely does not have that um, that viscosity or, or oiliness that it's, you might expect. It's brilliant. Um, Everything about this beer is brilliant. Best, the beer of the evening that I thought ticked my black IPA box was the North Riding India Porter. I'm with you on that. Um, obviously, our most divisive beer was the Cloud Water. Yeah. Most bizarre thing that's happened between us for a while yeah. on, on a I beer. I mean, front. we got we we got completely different flavours out of that. Yeah, completely different. And I'm not really sure how that happened because everything else we were fairly aligned on. Can um, I imagine that one of us had the top half on, of the can and one of us yeah. had the bottom half, and there must but have been different flavours. What I would say is, um, although not all of them might necessarily be that straight down the line, what I'm expecting, it's been a good evening for the beers, though. Yeah. We have had some good beers tonight. These have all been good beers, and I was a bit, oh, you know, the black IPA thing, because there was enough variation as well on the start. Yeah. It's been a good good beer night. And I do just want to give a shout out, actually, to um, Sean at Beer Central, who, who actually sourced the majority, five out of six of these beers say. for us. Because um, I said to him, I said, we need some black IPAs, what have you got? Yeah. And he, he came back with what he had, and... Then mentioned he he mentioned the India Porter and I was like yeah we'll take that as well and then obviously we got sent the beers by Fierce and Noble so we was like well we'll carry that over so we've got a range of black IPAs to do so thanks to Sean for um, sorting those beers out for us we do appreciate you, and you getting, putting them to one side yeah, for us and getting them uh, I think you got them as part of your usual order then didn't I did you? yeah yeah and uh, the the usual bomb proof box yeah yeah brilliant brilliant packaging. I've never seen packaging like it yeah um, yeah so that. Uh, Pretty much brings Done. us to the end. And you're going to ask me the usual question well, what we'll do next time. I don't know and either. And you know what? We don't right know. Right now, we don't know. We know our next recording is on the 1st of April. So two weeks hence, we will yeah. be recording. Two weeks hence, it will be released. But other than that... We've no idea. No. So, um... That's actually quite unusual for us. It is. Well, well should we leave it on that cliffhanger? Cheers. Pippa. <laughs>